are you carrying all those bricks for, anyway? God? Is that it? God? Well, I tell you, let me give you a little inside information about God. God likes to watch. He's a prankster. Think about it. He gives man instincts. He gives you this extraordinary gift, and then what does he do? I swear, for his own amusement, his own private cosmic gag reel, he sets the rules in opposition. It's the goof of all time. Look, but don't touch. Touch, but don't taste. Taste, don't swallow. <laughs> And while you're jumping from one foot to the next, what is he doing? He's laughing his sick ass off. He's a tight ass. He's a sadist. He's an absentee landlord. Worship that never. Better to reign in hell than serve in heaven, is that it? Why not? I'm here on the ground with my nose in it since the whole thing began. I've nurtured every sensation man has been inspired to have. I cared about what he wanted, and I never judged him. Why? Because I never rejected him, in spite of all his imperfections. I'm a fan of man! I'm a humanist. Maybe the last humanist. Who, in their right mind, Kevin, could possibly deny the 20th century was entirely mine? All of it, Kevin! All of it! My! I'm peeking, Kevin. It's my time now. That's even better than I remembered. Excellent. And a phantom man. He's an absentee landlord. That's the best line for that whole thing. Fantastic. Well done. Why, hello. It is uh, 8 minutes and 12 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of May in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, thank you for joining us. It is 503-733-2970. on this uh, Tuesday. If you'd like to weigh in with your comments, clarifications, kvetches, two cents, uh, ruminations on the career of Al Pacino, whatever you might have. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T. At 970 a.m. Speaking of Richie Bristol, uh, he is back, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations. He's gone to another car accident. It, did he really? Yes. Wait, when was the last car accident he got into? I, he's been in many car accidents. Well, all right then. Uh, well, we'll he, find did, out. he did reassure me that he only blew a .03. <laughs> No, it's too easy. I'm not going to follow it up. Like, you teed it up, but I'm going to leave it sitting there for now. I'll come back to it later. Remember, Richie. Never mind. 503-733-2970. Well, CBS Radio will be happy to know that he wasn't legally impaired at the time of the accident. Please tell me he was driving a station vehicle through a parking garage. <laughs> yeah. What a bean. 
All right, it's 503. I that guy. He was fun, you know, until the drunk driving. Wait, which guy are you talking about? The the guy. The one who drove the station vehicle into a parking lot. Oh, I'm talking about somebody else. I think we know at least three different people that have driven station vehicles drunkenly through parking lots, causing irreparable damage to them. All right. Well, in any event, uh, we'll find out more about that. It's 503-733-2970. It is Tuesday. Thank you for coming along. Uh, We began there with Al Pacino from The Devil's Advocate. It's a truly fantastic and awful film. Did Aaron put that together? Now, that was, I think I know what inspired him to do that. When we were at, we were at a gathering at the Geek in the City Studios a few weeks ago. And as much as I'm not typically a fan of impressions, I will tell you uh, that Fat Boy from KUFO does a really good Al Pacino. And he did that entire speech from memory. He stood well, in... we have to have him on today. Oh, no, he's, you know, he'll come in and do it. For, and he can do it. He, he stood in the middle of the room uh, and just, uh, he stood uh, like... Um, you know, he just he stood there and he um, like Thespis in the center of the arena and recited that entire speech from beginning to end. Which that was, boy just he fascinates me. Like just the, the things that are in his head. It was strangely impressive. It really was. And the Devil's Advocate, I'll tell you this here: the Devil's Advocate to me is always inextricably linked with another film, and it's linked with the movie Malice, starring Alec Baldwin. And I'll tell you why. I love that movie. Here's the thing about Malice and the Devil's Advocate: they are both mediocre films that we were all swindled into seeing on the basis of the trailer. The trailer, which was in turn centered around one speech, which was better than everything else in the, the movie I put together. It's, I am God. That. That is a great speech. Written by Aaron Sorkin, and that was the thing we all saw in the theater. I remember going to see Basic Instinct or something, and the trailer comes on for this movie Malice with Alec Baldwin. I have the whole speech here. And the here. piano uh, music playing. And we'll play it tomorrow, uh, where he does. And you're asking me where God was that night? Let me tell you something. I am God. And we all kind of went, yeah! And we all went to see the film, and the film was terrible. The only good thing in the movie was that speech. Just like with The Devil's Advocate. I like the ending. The Devil's Advocate, though, is a thoroughly mediocre film. The only good things about it are, A, that speech with Al Pacino, in which he just, he doesn't even just chew the scenery. I mean, he digests and excretes the scenery. Charlize Theron, who looks uh, white hot, uh, and Keanu Reeves, whose acting is so abysmally terrible in that film that it becomes a sort of Dadaist art. Shirley uh, Theron's really good in it, though. She's really, really good. But <laughs> but as Tim and I were laughing about before, like, who cuts off their head with, like, a piece of glass? No one. I'm sorry, spoiler, Shirley Theron cuts off her head. Spoiler for a movie <laughs> that came out 14 years ago. Uh, the other thing about it is you almost got to feel sorry for Keanu Reeves, to whatever extent that's possible, in that they put him in a movie... That features probably the most over-the-top performance of Al Pacino's entire career, and Keanu, whose whole oeuvre just consists of him kind of going, uh, you know, over and over again, and sort of an implied dude after yeah, everything. with your sister, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> creepy. That was so creepy. He kept trying to get them to fornicate, and there's like little naked, writhing sister, like, hey. I like the word fornicate. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, in any event, so there you go. There's uh, Devil's Advocate. It's 503-733-2970. It is Tuesday. Uh, we're back after uh, a sort of quasi-day off yesterday about which we'll uh, we'll talk more in a moment. Here's what's coming up today. CNN Radio, uh, radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us from New York City today. Why is that, Sarah? <gasps> because he's going to be talking about sex in the city and, and can I say it now? Sure. Film Fever Radio. It's Scott Daly's birthday today. Happy birthday, Scott Daly. Um, they're not going to go and review it, so they gave me... Press passes. I get to go see Sex in the City today. Is that today? I thought it's, it was Thursday. No, no. The, the the screening, the pre-screening is on Thursday, but I get to see the press screening. You get to see the critics. Okay. okay. 
So this is what it is. So the movie doesn't start until 7.30, but between 7 and 7.30, they're broadcasting live from the pink carpet in New York City, so you get to see, um, like, all of them walking. You are positively gushing. I know. It's just... And uh, my friend Kiki and I are obsessed with girl. it, so we're going. <laughs> well, I saw it filming, and I'm just... Really no, 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 it's fine. No, I really... So excited. I know. I think it's so great. So excited. And I've been avoiding spoilers and everything. So that's coming up this afternoon, this <laughs> yes, evening. Today. All right. So Sarah yes. Dillon will be going to see the press screening. Now, you are going to... Now, see, the unfortunate thing is you're going to be embargoed from talking about it, though. You won't be able to... Mm-hmm. You won't be able to discuss it until, I think, Thursday. Yeah. Uh, so, um... That doesn't mean that somebody, I shouldn't even say this, might offer you some liquid refreshment. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but I was going to say, you sons of bitches, that that wouldn't uh, preclude somebody similar to you, but legally distinct from you, uh, from perhaps weighing in on Ain't It Cool with their observations. Since, of course, it does seem to be the universe's could, mission to get everybody but me multiple postings on I Ain't It Cool. I could tie it back and be like, hey, remember that one time? Not um, you. I was, not you. Somebody like you. Somebody legally distinct from me. But somebody, remember? Yeah. Yeah, because I was the one who got the first Sex in the City uh, movie picture. Yes, you were. On Ain't It Cool. I'm just saying. Never let it be said Rick Emerson didn't help out. Okay. Well, I am just, I'm so you are No, you're excited. giddy. You're vibrating with excitement. Wow, it's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. So. Uh, Kiki and I are getting there an hour early, and I get to go up and say, I'm the studio rep for Film Fever Radio. Yeah. Well, see, yeah. here's the great thing about it. I really am. As much as I'm not like a Sex in the City guy, which is fine. It's not really meant for me. Here's the great thing about it. I like seeing you this excited because so many times, in fact, I would say the bulk of the times, premieres like this or sort of advanced screenings like this are just for dudes because mm-hmm. it's always like Indiana Jones or it's like a Star Wars film or it's, you know, the Transformers or whatever. And there really isn't much of an opportunity for girls to go and just get themselves all giddily geeked out over some movie. That's exactly so, it is, like the girl geek movie. It really is. I mean, it's it's, it's sort of like, uh, I don't know, it is like, uh, it's your um, it's your revenge of the Sith, And it Sarah. looks like it might, you know, I don't care if it's terrible, I don't care if it's wonderful. I'm, just, I'm just excited that it's there. No, it's the experience. That's mm-hmm. totally what it is. I mean, it was like when we all went to see The Phantom Menace, which ended up being a big load. It was all about, it was just, it was a great generational bonding moment for all of us. So, well, good for you. All right, Yay. here's what's coming up today. So we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum from New York City about the Sex and the City movie. Uh, we'll talk to Cena Radio correspondent James Roop uh, from California, where gays are taking over. Uh, we'll also talk to Cena Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, uh, who will weigh in kind of about the ponderous goings-on of the McCain campaign, about which we don't care. Uh, what else? Oh, top five coming up today. I worked long and hard on this top five today. Top five artists to accompany proper teenage moping. Uh, we'll do that later on today. Top five artists to accompany proper teenage moping. Uh, what else? Taser Watch coming up today. Um... Well, there's a whole bunch of other stuff uh, that we'll get to here momentarily. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification on this Tuesday. The biggest story, I turned on the news last night, and here it was. A boy is scratched by a peacock. They sent all kinds of people. There was a divided screen with four different reporters. Really? About the boy who's scratched by the peacock at the Oregon Zoo. Could your child be next? Garden burgers are removed from Fred Meyer store shelves with no logical explanation offered. Garden burgers are removed from Burgerville menus. Aftershocks collapsed. 420,000 homes in China. Imagine that. A Fox News commentator jokes about Obama being assassinated. A teenager Ooh. is charged with biting buttocks at Walmart. Police are searching for the Puyallup Groker. Or should that be Groper? <laughs> what did you call that? Groker? Groker? That's hard to... Is that a all, fish? First of all, asking someone to say Puyallup <laughs> is a lot. And to add something after that is... Asking for too much. It really does. Well, I got Puyallup myself uh, three crawdads, a carp, and a Puyallup groker. We're going to go home and have ourselves a fry-up. Celine Neon uses six and a half million gallons of water. 
A teenager is injured by a shark attack in his bedroom. A woman is killed by an owl. On the first new pictures of our show, it's ugly and has lots of dirt. 19 are hurt chasing cheese. Okay. There you go. You have to I wait till noon. To, days. <laughs> it's been building up. You have to wait till noon to hear the rest. All right. Uh, Richie, I don't know if our call screening software is not working or if you're simply being lazy and not screening the call. So I'm going to I'm going to reopen my call screening software here and uh, let me know. Let me know what, the, what these calls are about here. We'll get to those here in a few. All right. It's 503-733-2970. So hope everybody had a satisfying weekend. So we were initially going to do a show yesterday. Uh, because, you know, we typically don't take holidays off just because what am I going to do? Sit around and have a life? I don't think so. So our plan had been to come in and do our show yesterday as we typically do. And, you know, you know sometimes you know, as, as, as the years have gone on and as we've been acquired by bigger and bigger companies, the amount of sort of ad hoc fun that we can have in any sort of a holiday is diminished because there's more and more chances that somebody will sue us if something catches on fire. So... We had planned to just come in and do a show yesterday, but I got to tell you, about like Sunday afternoon around 2 p.m. or whenever it was that I called Sarah and Tim, I was just sort of sitting there at my house and I thought, you know what? F it. I don't want to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> Which I may, and the thing is, that's how messed up my psyche is that I immediately felt like a loser. I just, I felt so, I was all plagued with Catholic guilt. It just felt terrible that I didn't want to come in and do a show uh, yesterday. Uh, I mean, and to say that I didn't want to do a show was sort of the wrong way to put it. It's just that I just was exhausted. And I, and I realize that we have jobs that are not tremendously difficult or taxing. But as Tim said, it's not. I don't think it's just me. Uh, I don't think I'm the only one that is sort of feeling this. Tim made the same observation, that he has just felt so beat for the last two weeks. So I called Sarah yesterday at Sunday or a Sunday afternoon, and I said, you know what, I think I'm just going to, we'll do a best of on, on, on Monday, and I'll come in, and I'll, you know, I, I got a bunch of paperwork to catch up on, and we'll just kind of roll a recorded show, and, you know, whatever, and, you, you know, you said that was fine with you, and I called Tim, and I said, hey, so I think we're just going to do a best of on Monday, so, uh, you know, don't feel like you have to come in or anything, and Tim sent me the greatest email, it said, he said, I don't know how to thank you for this. I had to socialize twice this weekend. I'm exhausted. <laughs> so, and having, by the way, and, and since I began watching Family Guy, all emails that I read from Tim, they sort of play in my head in the voice of Stewie. So, that's just sort of that, sort of like the truculent kind of voice. Anyway, totally. so so we came in yesterday, Sarah and I, and Sarah sort of uh, minded the store while we did the best of, and then I went up and... And my is... minded the store means, yes, we have the easiest jobs ever. I seriously sat and watched four episodes of 90210. And we're paid for it. Uh, and I spent four hours cleaning my office upstairs. And here's how dirty my office was. My office was so filthy and cluttered, just with, like, actual literal stacks and piles of things, that I spent four hours and 15 minutes cleaning my office, and it doesn't look any better today. I mean, I threw out loads and loads and loads of just garbage and crap and papers and bags and boxes uh, out to the dumpster, and the office doesn't really look any better. And I ran across a bunch of stuff that I, and we'll get to these calls here in a second, but I ran across a bunch of stuff up in my office that, like, stuff that I don't even, like, I don't even know where it came from or when you got it. It's just sort of there. Uh, items to include this Fred Claus shirt. There's still one of these on the, those on know, the shelf back I don't know why we kept this. Why would I keep a shirt that said Fred Claus and had Vince Vaughn because airbrushed on the front of it? Because it's really, it's a soft shirt. Well, it is. Feel this Fred Claus shirt, Tim. Why it's so soft. <laughs> You were like the bounce teddy bear just there. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, here's something disturbing that I saved a while back and then forgot about until I rediscovered it yesterday in my office. A bag of Sarah Dillon's fingernails. Oh. Right here. Okay. Oh, Sarah, do you remember the day you gave me a bag of your fingernails? I remember. Why did you do that? Because I I popped them off. But why did you nails. give them to me in a bag? Surely I didn't ask for them. Of course you asked for them. Why did, did I? I give you nails? I don't know. Why this would I? Not, this is not 
a Sarah Dillon's weird thing. This is a Rick Emerson's a weird. Why one. would I ask for a bag of your fingernails? Because you thought it would be funny. <laughs> well, and it was months later. Ew, but... they look so gross. Well, that's what I'm saying. All right, don't give those to okay. me so I can clone you. All I'm right. actually going to get these taken off today too, so I shall um, save them for you and baggy them. Thank you. Baggy them real good. Uh, look, I baggy her real good. <laughs> uh, let's see what else do I have here. Uh, I have a mailing, uh, um, an adhesive mailing envelope, like the kind you put on a manila envelope at work before you send it out. And I don't know why. I think I must have just saved this because it's from it's from a format long past. One side of it says 101K UFO. The other side says Easy 970. And I don't even know from when that easy? dates. I don't even remember. I don't even know when this station was Easy 970. Tim, Easy 970 AM, do you have any idea from how long ago that must have been? Before we were here. I mean, but way before we were here, because I mean... We would have known, because we were all next door. So i got to figure out whenever the station was Easy 970. All right, anyway. So I just spent all day yesterday uh, cleaning out my office. That was that was kind of the bulk of my day. And then I went home, and I watched Family Guy uh, for the rest of the afternoon. And then we'll, we'll get calls here in just a moment, but I have to say this about Are Family Guy. Are you full-on addicted now? I am. I finished the... I, when I watched the entire fourth season... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start watching all of the third season And today. all of a sudden, everything in your life relates to Family Guy. Really and you does. are that person that all of a sudden, you're like, did you remember that one time? Like, I, I quote it with people all the time. Here's the thing about Family Guy. Uh, my wife doesn't really care for it. She tried to watch it, and she's like, eh, you know. She's like, eh, eh you know, take it or leave it. And so she, you know, she, she wasn't really watching it with me. But I was trying to explain later, because she, she actually asked me at one point, she said, how long have you spent watching Family Guy this weekend? <laughs> and I said, oh, I don't know, five hours. You know, just sort of sitting on the couch, not moving. The thing about Family Guy is, especially when you got it on DVD, Family Guy is the television equivalent of Ready Whip, where you can just sit there and just <laughs> spray it into cheese. Yeah, spray it into your mouth, uh, and it's light and fluffy and full of air, and you just kind of. Right now, I'm watching season five of Family Guy, and I'm just, yeah. I, I, it's just two discs, and I keep watching because season five's genius because they start throwing in uh, swear words. Really? Just randomly, like not over, not they just sprinkle them in. Like there's probably like one, one F word. Like it really is. It is. It's God pretty genius. Hilarious. I, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that I regret not watching it before now because I can catch up on. It. I mean, there's, I've really lost nothing by waiting to watch it, but I am glad that I've started watching it. So, uh, you know. And to all the people who preemptively told me that I was a retard if I liked Family Guy, you're all just going to have to deal with my retardation. All right? All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Well, I got a lot of those. Rick, before you start watching Family Guy, I have to let you know that if you if you like Family Guy, you are a retard and have to kill yourself. It's in my head. It's like when Tim was talking about um, like all the reporters, and all I was thinking of Asian reporter Trisha Takanawa. That's all I was thinking. Yeah. It's, it makes you crazy. It's a fantastic show. really is. And it goes down real easy. No. I mean, you can put away eight, nine episodes of Family Guy without even really thinking about it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, this is George. Hello. Uh, Job Shadow Julius. Dad. Hello. Hi. Yes. Yeah, I just wanted to let, uh, probably for Sarah, but maybe all you guys, uh, Square Pegs came out on DVD. And I we, saw that. We got it, and, you know, their catch line was, it's okay to be lame, and that show has got to be one of the lamest shows, but it's it's genius. Does it hold up? I mean, if you strip it, away the nostalgia. If you yeah, strip it, away nostalgia, does the show still hold up? It does. It definitely holds up. You want to watch Square Pegs. good okay. interviews at the end with all the characters, Sarah Jessica Parker and, you know, uh, Trey and all the rest yeah. of them. And yeah, it was good stuff. Square Pegs. All right, thank you, sir. Okay, see ya. Square Pegs, which was sort of the freaks and geeks of its day. Square Pegs was... Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker got her start there. I think it was canceled after maybe one season, maybe two. Uh, about a bunch of misfit girls who, who you know, and you got to give the show credit for putting legitimately weird-looking people on television. Uh, yeah, not a bad show, if, if I recall correctly. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, what's up? What's up, A couple, couple of things on Malice. Um, first, I was going to ask Sarah, does she have a copy of Malice? No. No, but okay. I... Okay, 
I have it on tape. I can burn you a copy and I can drop it off sometime if you want. That would be absolutely super. Thank you. Okay. Um, a second thing, correction, a minor correction on his little speech if you want me to do it. Are you going to do the whole speech or just part of it? Just, just kind of the Just do part of it and then we'll start the show with the whole thing tomorrow. Do part of it. Go. Okay. When your family's in the waiting room praying, who do you think they're praying to? You ask me if I have a God complex? Let me tell you something. I am God. Yeah, well done, sir. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, well, one other thing. Yeah. Uh, remember, uh, our favorite actor is in that, Bill Pullman, also. Oh, Bill Pullman that's is right. In that. yeah, it's the confluence of all good things. And the, the ending is excellent. The ending, I, I really liked it. All right, uh, thank you, my one other thing. Uh, one other thing. Did you want to hear another Titanic joke, or are you done with those? Uh, I don't know. Let's let the dice of destiny decide. All right. Okay. All right, hold on, sir. So uh, pick odds or evens. Uh, odds. All right, here we go. It's a nine. Go. Okay. What do uh, 90s White House interns the Titanic have in common? I'm sorry. What do what and what? What do 90s White House interns in the Titanic have in common? I can already see where you're going with this, <laughs> and I can already see that I'm going to have to bleep it. Oh. Well, does, it contain the, does it contain the word down? <laughs> yeah, but I thought the double entendre would be safe. But no. <laughs> no, but thank you. All right. Bye. All right. All right. I should have put him on hold so I could figure out the exact punchline, but we all know the phrase that was going to be in there. Oh, yeah. God love people. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. How are you all today? I'm Dandy. What's up? Um, I had to call in with the most entertaining testicle story ever because you guys were talking about it the other day. And I, I promised myself that you couldn't live without knowing that. I this. made a promise to myself. You promised yourself? <laughs> I promised you guys about six and months ago. And his God. Yes. I thought of you, Rick. What do you mean you promised yourself that I couldn't live without your testicle story? That I, I had to call in. I was like, you guys are done with it, but no, I had to call in. I like, you, it had to be told. What if you don't do it now, having promised yourself? Is there some sort of punishment? Yeah, I'm gonna um, uh, I'll mm -hmm. probably eat some seafood or something since I hate seafood. I don't know, <laughs> Tim and Sarah. No, I want him to continue. All right, go ahead. Please, okay. Please. Keep so, it brief, please. Yes. Well, I was snipped because I figured one set of triplets was enough. Okay. So when I went in, they just make a little incision, and then, of course, they cut, they pull the tubes out and cut it and right. cauterize it. A little puff of smoke. <laughs> and the guy was, like, having trouble on one side, t tugging on it a little bit. And I came, I got home, and I won't use the grape grapefruit analogy, but just one side, no wrinkles, one side completely normal. I went back in. I said, uh, I got a problem here. And he goes, oh, if it would have been that bad, you wouldn't have been able to walk in here. And I'm like, and then he goes, is that the side I had a little trouble with? I'm like, <laughs> so the next night I'm at home in bed. I thought I peed myself and uh, uh, everything burst. Okay. No, 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 I'm sorry. No. You could, you may not break that promise to yourself. <laughs> See, sir, book yourself a table at Jake's. Thank you. No, I'm sorry. It's too early in the day for anything bursting in that part of your body. I, uh, sorry, you have my apologies, sir. Now, maybe another time. All right. Do I even... Okay, let's do one more, and then we'll take a break, you for the dare. love of Jesus. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Uh, next time you guys clean out your office, you should have a win random crap for Rick's office contest. You know, somebody somebody did mention that to me yesterday. By the way, before we continue with this, will you guys back me up? I wasn't Was I right to end that last call? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. he was like, I felt like it burst. I'm like, you know, it's not even noon. Because I, he said he felt he felt like it, which means something burst, which means there's some kind of liquid, which means I don't want to know. And then he said that like it wasn't even done. He's like, oh, the best part's still coming. So you know, no. There are plenty of zany morning shows that would love some. It is true. Um, now you know what somebody recommended said yesterday, sir, and it was too late. Uh, I forgot who it was. Somebody who was here said that I should have done. We should have done like a yard sale. You know, well, I was like buy a bunch of random crap that well, was in my or office. The, the flip side is you do like an auction for charity. I guarantee you, you get like maybe five twenty-five off of it, five five dollars twenty-five cents. <laughs> yes, maybe. <laughs> well, perhaps the next time I remember, maybe this time next year. There you go. All right, thank you, sir. Uh, All right, there you go. All right. Uh, well, let's take a break. We come back. Uh, we'll talk to Cena Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, uh, coming up. Let's see. Um, what else? Uh, Jim Roop, uh, top five songs for teen. States, as you know, Hillary Clinton, the pop. Top five songs for teenage moping and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio. It's the Rick Emerson Radio program. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Oh, we got to talk about that Willamette Week thing today. Yes, yes. Because I guess we were ahead. I didn't even really know. Are we not ahead anymore? Well, I didn't know anything was happening. Like, I went from not knowing about it to finding out we were ahead to now finding out that we're behind in the space of, like, a day. We'll talk to Bridget. Bridget gave me the update on it. Apparently, we're behind Court and Fatboy now. I guess it's the, we'll let the best of Portland thing is happening now. And so I guess we were ahead for a long time just without, without really doing anything, just because I guess because people are into us. Uh, and now we're behind because I think Court and Fatboy have really been pushing for votes on their show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so apparently we're both beating the snot out of Gustav and Daria, though. So eat that. Uh, anyway, so I guess we should talk about that. Let me put up a link or something on my uh, webpage. All right, 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you? I'm fantastic. How was the wedding of Dana Bash and John King? It, it was delightful. Was it beautiful? Was it touching? It was beautiful and touching. Uh, it, it, it was nice. It was, it was sort of your perfect combination. It was not over the top, but they're like they had a beautiful hoopah. Who was the? Uh, I love that word. Right. That's the, well, yeah. That's the, that's the arch, right? That's the arch, right? It was beautiful, full of gorgeous flowers, and uh, she had a Vera Wang dress, but it was very uh, understated. Kind of, yeah, it was understated. Yeah. Who was the most famous person there? John King. Really? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not trying to knock John King, but I, but it's so. I mean, I expect you to say like, and and, and in the front row was Walter Cronkite waiting to bestow his right, blessing exactly. on. All right. No, no, it really was not like that. They they were the only two celebrities, I think, at their wedding. Well, I, good for I, them. I, I may not be up enough on uh, the new celebrity culture, but they they were the only two that I think you would would have recognized. And they they both have uh, significant cousins, and he he's got the Irish Catholic, you know, seven seven members of it, you know, seven siblings situation. She's got tons of cousins, and actually, even from CNN, there weren't all that many people there. All right, so, so you so you were there, but you were the luminary on hand from CNN. I I would not say that, no, but yeah, I, I no. Right. <laughs> hey, uh, because uh, you're a woman, I'm uh, legally required to ask you this: uh, Are you excited for the Sex in the City movie? You know, I gotta say, I kind of am. I kind of am, and it really like it's gotten so it's so over the top now, all the kitsch and all the hilarity that I kind of I kind of feel like it's so ridiculous that I'm kind of psyched. That's exactly what it is. It just seems like it's going to be a ridiculous movie. I'm going to see it tonight, so I'm super excited about I'm, it. Yeah, see, exa- I'm pretty psyched. I think it, I think it's gonna be. I think I'm I'm into it. So Sarah managed to finagle herself a press uh, a press pass for tonight's uh, press only uh, screening. Uh, 
So she's going to be lording that over like everybody else with ovaries <laughs> like in the world for the next three or four days. So yeah, you know, you may mention to Steve we had because we have on Tuesdays now this sort of conference call with all the radio correspondents, and our two bosses, Tyler and Jerry, were really just. They, the only angle they wanted is how much it stinks for the men who are going to have to go. And Steve sent me this great message in between that was like, isn't that angle so 1990s? Well, it's, that's kind of what everybody seems to be doing is sort of like, hey, guys, are you being dragged to the Sex and the City movie? Call up and tell us. <laughs> the... like, I, really, I feel like that story was done for the entire decade of the 1990s. Well, yeah. Or I guess, is... I guess right in the very beginning of the of one. The one can only expect so much creativity. So. <laughs> right. All right. It's. I mean, it really. That really is sort of akin to going to a Star Trek convention and doing the whole. Hey, so have you ever had a girlfriend? I mean, it's just the joke has been made. Let's all move on as a culture. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh, okay. So let's see. So I don't even know where to begin. Um. I guess. So where are we? I guess now in this sort of. You know what? You know what Hillary Clinton is now. Hillary. It's now like the slow fall of Icarus. Where oh. you know what I mean? Where the wing, her wings have melted, and Very she is now to the uh, free fall. The man trying to set the free fall record. Exactly. Incidentally, she's yes. no, she is she is slowly careening back to earth, uh, having having flown too close to the sun, uh, and and I mean, as they say, it's kind of all over, but the whatever, right? I mean, it's but she's kind of playing it out to the end, just because that's what that's what you do, and she's still maybe vainly hoping for some sort of huge foot in the mouth. She sent out a statement on Sunday saying that, and of course this was in response to her RFK comment, right. the Kennedy assassination and all that. But she sent out a statement that was lengthy explaining, you know, let me explain why I am still in this. And in that she said, I do think I still have a legitimate chance to win this on merit. Now, I, I, I don't know. You know, it's, it does feel very, uh, you know, Donald Rumsfeld will be with my administration until the end <laughs> or tomorrow. Right, and so I I think that I think that she is really practicing the idea that perception is reality in politics, and you keep up the perception that you want to be the reality until the second that you change your mind on what you want the right. reality to be. And I, I I think that everyone is is it's, it's very clear that that the end seems to be near. You're right, though anything could happen. Could be big foot and mouth, but I I think that's what's going on. Meanwhile, you know, John McCain is so happy because he has had a few negative stories in the last week, but no one has cared because it's the continuing plot line is still the Clinton-Obama clash, and, and or even maybe a little bit of McCain versus Obama, but not very much. Well, and, and, and McCain appears to be so, I mean, this is actually the thing that's on the prep sheet today, mm-hmm. where McCain is doing a fundraiser with President Bush, which does seem to be... That seems to be ill-advised. You know what President Bush seems to be? Right. President Bush is like that woman in the office who has hideous cologne, and you, but you get stuck on an elevator with her for 30 seconds at some point, and for the rest of the day you smell like the bottom shelf at a Woolworths. No. Oh, no. You know it's true. And so my question is, with the lowest approval rating since they started doing the survey, why would you be standing next to President Bush if you're John McCain? There are a couple of reasons. The truth is, you're right, his approval rating for President Bush's approval rating overall is in the 20s, maybe 27, 28 percent, very low, lowest in modern times. But if you ask just Republicans what, uh, his, what, how they feel about him, 
65% of people who identify themselves as Republicans approve of the job he's doing. So what's going on here? Two things. John McCain wants to convince Republicans that he is a Republican. Not all of them completely believe it. And I think attaching himself to George Bush gets him a long way there with especially the conservative part of the party. The other thing is George Bush, even if he's not popular in most of the country, he can still bring in the money. Now, there, it, this is a test to see how much he can still bring in. The fundraiser tonight in Phoenix was originally scheduled for the Phoenix Convention Center, but then was moved to a private residence. The McCain campaign says that has nothing to do with crowd size, though there is a report in Phoenix that, that that's why they changed it, because they just didn't have as big of a crowd as they wanted. They deny that. They say it's just McCain's fundraising formula, and it's true. He generally does go to private homes. No cameras, however. A lot of people said, okay, he wants, doesn't want to be seen next to the president. That's why there are no cameras. Again, the McCain camp came back and said no, and now there will be a photo op uh, of the two of them at, at, the, at the airport. <laughs> so, your classic. But, you know, McCain really is not running from President Bush, and it, it, is, it is politically risky, uh, even as he wants to appear to be very different from the president. He says it in his speeches all the time. He is standing close with them. By the way, I, it, this, since talking about you know George W. Bush, and it, I keep flashing to that scene in Spinal Tap where the manager is talking about how they're playing you know like a 500 seat theater, and he keeps saying, "Well, the band's appeal has become more selective." And when I think about George W. Bush, the strange thing is, I was trying to picture what George W. Bush will do once he's out of office. You know, there a lot of presidents go on speaking tours, or they become highly sought after consultants, or they sit on the boards of various Fortune 500 companies. And I just picture George W. Bush just sitting alone by himself in a sad, dusty office looking at a phone that will never ring. I mean, if really, I mean, if, he, if, if it's all he can do to sort of muster up a decent crowd now when he is the most powerful man on earth... It just it just seems like he's going to be working a convenience store within the next couple of years. Uh, he's got plenty of plenty of brush to still clear on his Texas <laughs> ranch. Well, he... he'll be hanging out with pops. You know, I think I think there will be a Jimmy Carter factor where once Jimmy Carter left office. Really, you didn't see him very much. And in fact, it turns out Jimmy Carter had a great deal of personal debt that he had to work out, uh, work on immediately after he left the presidency. And I think, you know, then 15 years after he was out of office, you started seeing Jimmy Carter again. You know, I think President Bush will be someone you see in conservative areas. You'll see him make plenty of speeches, but I think he's not going to have a big national presence probably for a few years. I'd like to see him market a line of hickory smoked meats. <laughs> In vacuum packed yes. seals, yes. Right, yeah, and maybe the maybe the deluxe kind that comes right next to it, like a, a proportional length of cheese. <laughs> Potentially, uh, I'm, you know, I am interested to see if he can bring in the cash because at this point, Barack Obama has brought in almost three times what John McCain has brought. Well, in. and that's just going to get bigger, right? Like as soon as Hillary's out, even if you know you buy this line that a bunch of Hillary supporters are going to defect, which obviously is a lie, but even if you buy that, that's true. I mean, however much he's making now, he's going to be making 50% more. I mean, the tap is just going to get turned on you know, higher and higher for that That's guy. Right, because his donors, you know, and if any of them are listening, most of his donors have given very small amounts and can still give tons more. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, we're talking about how much more he's raised. McCain hasn't done so bad. He's brought in $100 million. It's just that Barack Obama's brought in $270 million, and that, that's as of the end of April. We're gonna, and we can talk. We'll probably talk about this more. We're gonna get into a tricky area pretty soon because the question is whether these two guys will agree to get matching funds, meaning taxpayer right, dollars right. will pay for their campaign. If they do, they'll have a 
far fewer funds to work with. But Barack Obama now realizes he'd get much more money just fundraising on his own. He's the first candidate really in recent history for whom that's true. President Bush, John Kerry, all of those guys took the public funds because they're very large, like $50 million for Bush and Kerry each. And Obama's really kind of standing on the shoulders of Howard Dean with this, right? Because Howard Dean kind of laid the groundwork for this. Howard Dean is the one who really opened up. You You could say he's the one who kind of invented the medium, invented, opened up this whole area. But I think Barack Obama's campaign really has has done a much better job they've taken it to to the next level easily i think it, it's the difference between you know getting a rocket in orbit and actually putting a man on the moon and i, I think that barack obama has brought it to an entirely new level and i think he, he's the guy who who has who will whose map everyone will use at least for the next four years it's all very exciting all right are you on the clock tomorrow I am on the clock tomorrow, on the clock for the rest of the week. Fantastic. We'll, we will talk to you at some point in the very near future then. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks, guys. All right, Lisa Deschardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Wonderful. Excellent. All right, Steve Castor, Mama will join us here uh, in a few. Uh, let's see. No, I don't he's, know, not, uh, he's not till 210. Really? Didn't you, or did I put him at 250? Oh, damn. That was me. That did you was, mix it up? I, uh, that was totally me. You know what? We can do it this way. Uh, okay. I, I mixed up Roop and, and Steve when I put it there. Okay. That's me. So are we going to have Roop at 1150? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's fine. All right, so we'll get Roop here. And just... Well, plus it'll be good to have Steve at 210 anyway because he's going to be he's checking in on the pink carpet at 5 o'clock. So he'll be there with like amidst all the celebrities and stuff. That's what it's really called. The, it's not a red carpet. Oh, it's the okay. pink carpet. Uh, all right. So I know it sounds vulgar. The pink carpet. <laughs> um, so, uh, all right, so we'll get uh, Jim Roop here in just a few. Uh, then, we'll have, uh, then we'll have Steve Kastenbaum uh, coming up and so forth and whatnot. Hey, by the way, and I, I have a whole list of things, you know, like kind of, uh, Richie, uh, all right, let me let me do two things here. Um, one, uh, Matt Green, if you are uh, listening right now, will you uh, please come into the studio at your first opportunity? Secondly, Richie Bristol, um, I don't know if I'm just if if the call screening software is just not connected still. Well, because I'm just looking here and I and people aren't holding, I can't see what anything is. So I'm going to restart this yet again, but I think we may have some sort of ghost in the machine, Richie, because I can't see any of the uh, call screening stuff. And I know I sound like Dennis Miller sitting in my kitchen uh, yelling, yelling at somebody who's 500 miles away, but uh, it, we have we have some sort of a some sort of a glitchiness happening here. All right, it's 503. There we go. Okay, I can see that. I just can't see uh, I just can't see the information for whoever's over there now. We'll figure it out. It's 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. And a very good morning to you, my friend. How was your weekend? Satisfying, I hope? It was long. Did it... you did you do any grilling, or were you on the call? No, I was working all weekend at the Libertarian National Convention. Uh, those guys are, what a bunch of firecrackers they are. They're a fun-loving bunch, aren't they? You know, i got to tell you, they are. Honestly, they really are. I mean, it was it was a good time. I love it because after every news conference, they load out, they bring out the alcohol for the press. It was great. You know, the thing about Libertarians is, here's the thing about Libertarians. They Libertarians are like Ron Paul. Uh, you know, because wait, Ron Paul's an, is he, Ron Paul's running as an independent or is he running as a libertarian? Tim? Well, he's not running as a libertarian. He's not uh, running as a Republican. As, running as a Republican, yeah, but he's, he's like a maverick Republican. He's, um, yeah, he dropped out. That's right. Uh, so, well, in any event, the thing about libertarians with a capital L, which is the party libertarians, mm-hmm. is that the thing that makes them sort of entertaining, but at the same time completely and totally unelectable, is they just have no grasp on reality at all. Meaning that regardless of here's the problem with the libertarian party as i see it it is that libertarians always have these ideas that if you look at them on a spreadsheet on paper they make all the sort of mathematical logical sense in the world 
They are just things, though, that will never, ever, ever fly in reality. True. And the other thing about libertarians is, just based on the libertarian, and I'm not trying to knock them, as some of my best friends are libertarians. It's just that about 30% of them are like closet anarchists, and they just don't want to come out in a minute. You do get the idea that a lot of libertarians just want to live uh, like in some sort of like in some sort of stone-lined keep, like a fortress uh, with a portcullis and a band of horses to keep intruders at bay. I'll tell you, they did start Paulville in in West Texas, and uh, it's a community of libertarians and those who follow the Ron Paul edicts of life. And and I we're trying to figure out a way to get me over there to see if anybody's bought property there yet. Let me tell you this. I can tell you one thing about Paulville right now. No women anywhere. You, 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 this is gonna be, you know what it is? That's going to be a bunch of brainy dudes sitting around talking about how they used to play Zork uh, on Windows 3.1. Well, you know, you're, you're, right about, you're, you're right about the fact that on paper, everything they, 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 their platform looks great. Less government, no more civil liberties. You, you know, you should be able to carry a gun if you want, smoke marijuana in your house if you want. The government's authority stops at your property line. That all sounds great. But you're asking Americans, human beings, to start policing themselves now. You're asking us to take care of each other. You're asking us to be responsible. And while there should be no helmet law, we will still wear helmets because if we fall on our motorcycles, we don't want to burden the, the health care system with a cracked skull. But that's not going to happen. No. Because we don't know how to take care of ourselves anymore because the government's taking care of us for so long. No, and humans are just so deeply flawed and stupid and selfish that there's just no way that it's ever going to... So, so, uh, so rather libertarians are just... They're always just sort of there as like the shemp of the American political system. You know what I mean? They're the third largest party in no. this country. Oh, no, it's true. They, I mean, libertar here's the thing about libertarians. Libertarians, to me, are kind of like and are frequently the same as strident atheists, you know, like really like militant, like in-your-face atheists, who are frequently some of the smartest people you'll ever meet, you know, really, really... Yeah, Madeline O'Hare type atheists. Yeah, exactly. Really yeah. intelligent, really bright, I mean, really have their crap together mentally, but just like really off-putting with no actual grasp on how anything functions in society and kind of tedious and tiresome to be around a lot of the time. So, in any event... Well, you know, you know it was a fun weekend, though. Well, that, my question was... And that was actually going to be my question. So, the other thing about the libertarians that's interesting is, so they're just... Are they just sort of now trying to figure out who it is that's going to have this year's ill-fated run for the presidency? No, they actually elected well, – the reason I went is because they were nominating their candidate. And we, there were 14 people that started out. Seven wound up qualifying. And uh, former Republican congressman out of Georgia, the guy who uh, worked uh, – really sort of spearheaded the attempted Clinton impeachment, Bob Barr, is their candidate. He defected to the Libertarians in 2006, and they believe for the first time they have a candidate who can actually win this thing. Well, it's again uh, they believe it is. Uh, it, they do seem to make incremental gains, and you know one and uh, Ron Paul, uh, Republican though he might be, does sort of indicate that people are, I guess, willing for, willing to have something different. I think Libertarians will do themselves a lot to, a lot of good if they quit talking about how the first day in office they want to destroy the like get rid of the American school system and you know like uh, you know like homeschool uh, and and, and, <laughs> the, and the EPA. What are you going to do? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get rid of the IRS and libraries. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my friend. Uh, we'll, uh, I thought we were going to be talking about the same stuff. We were, we were going to do that, and then I was going to say, well, we don't have... I keep looking at this flawed prep sheet that I wrote down. I made a mistake when I wrote the prep sheet, so I keep thinking that we're about to talk to Steve Kastenbaum, and we're not, so I apologize. So, uh, 
So speaking of libertarian issues, so where is the where is the gay marriage thing now with California? So this isn't like a domestic partnership thing. It's like full-on gay marriage. Yeah, well, this is a mess right now because immediately after the Supreme Court ruled the ban on same-sex marriage unconstitutional, signatures started being applied to a, a petition to get an initiative on the November ballot to make uh, same-sex marriage illegal constitutionally put it in the constitution that's going to qualify yeah i think they have enough signatures to qualify for the ballot so now for the next five months it is legal starting on the 14th or 6th or 15th of of june it will be legal for same-sex couples to marry now what happens in november if this initiative passes on the ballot making it uh, constitutionally illegal for gays to marry what happens to these marriages now over this next five months Nobody can answer that question for me. And it, I actually, just speaking of that, I actually just read an article the other day with, uh, it, was a, it was a gay couple in some state, I forget where it was, but they, where they had gotten married legally. They'd gotten, they'd gotten, you know, one of those states where it was legal for like a day and a half, uh, you know, until, until some group went and got it stopped. And they had gotten married, but now, I don't know whether legally or just sort of symbolically, they had gone there, they had split up and they wanted a divorce. And their whole thing was just sort of part and parcel of the same promise. They couldn't get a divorce. They're like, nobody will give us a divorce because now they say we weren't married to begin with. And meanwhile, paperwork had been drawn up and agreements had been drawn up. And it was just like this giant cluster. Uh, and so we just had the same thing happen in Oregon where it, you know, it sort of gets it, – it's legal, then it's not, then it's legal, then it's not. So all of this is sort of inexorably leading towards a funnel that takes this to the Supreme Court, right? I mean, the U.S. Supreme Court. That has to be how it ends. Uh, you know, it, 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 that's the only place it can go, really. Um, the, there, the, those who are against gay marriage and are, are trying to get this initiative on the ballot want the court to stay their decision until after November to let's see how this thing pans out. Gloria Allred right away is saying, no, let's not wait and see. If this, we, can't, we can't stay a, a, a Supreme Court decision with the word might. It might make the ballot. Right. People might support it, which I have to say, for the first time, I kind of agree with her. Yeah. You know, you got to let, <laughs> let this thing go forward and then see what happens if it makes the ballot. I've never, I, I, that's the first time I think I've, that's historic. I've never agreed you with feel Gloria a little Allred bit of your, Do you feel a piece of your soul dying now that you're I, agreeing I feel, with Gloria Allred? I clean. I think it's a shower. <laughs> wow. Oh. That's, yes, yes yeah. ma'am, I agree with you. Oh, did I say that? Um, but uh, she's right, and and it's it's just it's turning into a big mess. Uh, it really is. In fact, the president of the California County Clerks Association is an openly gay man, and he says he wants to be the first guy to get married uh, on the 14th, the Saturday, that because his office, his registrar's office in Contra Costa, uh, in, uh, Contra Costa County, is open on Saturday. Right. So right. at 12:01 a.m. Saturday, he's going to get hitched. Uh, just a, it is an immovable force and an irresistible object. Uh, so, well, I, it, it's just going to be, this is one of the things that gets people cranked up for the presidential election, too, because then, as I said, it will inexorably end up at the Supreme Court, uh, which, you know, as, as it all, doesn't it seem like about every 90 days or so we hear some story about how half the Supreme Court's about to die of old age? <laughs> and so this, every election, although this is the most, ele this next president will appoint, you know, seven Supreme Court justices because they're all older than dust. So Well, yes, the, see, in my opinion, that's that's a flaw with with uh, the Supreme Court. These guys should be on term limits, too. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. All right, my friend. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for tolerating my insanity today. Uh, and I'm I sorry. love you, man. Are you kidding? <laughs> I love you, too, Jim. Let's all hug. Yeah. All right. Thank you, brother. Gloria Allred would like that. Yeah, let's not talk about it. <laughs> Bye now. Bye-bye. Right, Gloria Allred. There you go. Jim Roof, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. 
Okay, so we will have Steve Castamem, though, at 210, where we would normally have Rube talking about Sex in the City. Excellent. Yeah. All right, coming up here in just a few minutes, Tim Riley, have ye news for us? Most definitely. Fantastic. Uh, plus, we'll have the top five artists to accompany proper teenage moping. And um, I have the Sex in the City theme ready to bring on Steve Castamem this afternoon. I thought that would be perfect. Very exciting. Yes. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey, just real quick before I get to my question, I just want to say thank you guys for putting together a talk radio show that wasn't either full of xenophobic vitriol or the mind-inducing, sleep-inducing boredom that is NPR. Um, but the question that I had for you, and your little clip at the beginning of the show kind of, kind of came up with, you guys need to have a top five list for the best uh, Al Pacino rants. So the top five Al Pacino rants from a film? From any of those films. Okay, you know, no, I could do that because I can think of three off the top of my head right now. Without, without breaking a sweat, I could do three. Yeah, I think Glenn Glory Gunn Ross is my favorite for second place right after Devil's Advocate. But I think, you know, that you could probably do something like that. I think it'd probably go pretty good. No, you could do, I mean, you could do, uh, you could do Godfather 2. Uh, there's actually several you could do. In my children, what is it? In my bedroom where my wife sleeps. Yeah, there's that one. Hmm. And there's when he's speaking before Congress. And there's his rant in any given time. We sweat and claw for that inch in uh, every any given Sunday. So I like your style, sir. I'll do that for later this week. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good day. Uh, you too. One more, and then we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Who am I? What am I doing here? Gridlock. Uh, I have a zombie joke for you. <laughs> uh-huh. But I demand that I ponder it first. Well, okay. Okay, go ahead. Excellent. Uh, what do vegetarian zombies eat? I don't know. What? Grains. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's genius. Thank you. Bye now. That was really funny. Good for you. I like it when a joke doesn't suck. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth after this. Uh, later on, the top five, Steve Kastenbaum, more of your phone calls and so forth. Don't go anywhere. Back in a moment. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Still to come today, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum joining us from New York City. And the top five songs for teenage moping. Uh, that's all on the way. Uh, let's now welcome engineer Matt Green to the studio. Hello, Matt. How are you today? Hello, Rick. All right. Mm. Is so, my microphone working? It is. Is it me? It, it is, is you. Me. Okay. No. <laughs> it's been so, so long since I've been on the radio on a regular basis that it's really tough to just jump in and... and Hear myself. Now, can you... Now, were you, yeah, were you an on-air personality? The last time I was... I don't know that I was a personality. I, I could I could manage to hold it together. What was the last format you did? It was uh, kind of that... Uh, what would uh, be, you know, album classic type stuff. Like deep... 1990. Like album rock? In Boston. Yeah. DCN? Oh, uh, uh, no, uh, WBOS. Oh, WBOS. We were okay. just down the hall from you guys, I think. Hmm. Were we not? I, I forget who the AM was now. 
Anyway, immediately. They've, they've, been, they've, been sold, they've been sold to oh, so many, many different times. people. So yeah. you were like, were you like a late night rock DJ? No, I just did part time DJ thing just so I could go in there and clean the control room up. I was actually the, <laughs> <laughs> I was actually the assistant engineer. Yeah, Excellent. Did you, have a, did you have a cool on air name? No, just me. Was it like it wasn't like max Matt. max volume <laughs> or whatever? All right. Um, okay. So the reason uh, I suppose you're wondering what we've asked you here, Matt. So for the last couple of weeks, I've been hearing this, and I know this is tedious radio talk to everybody listening, but I've been hearing this tedious hum in my right ear only in the right channel. Yeah. And every time you come in to listen to it, it's not there. But I swear to Christ, it's there right now. I can hear a hum in the right channel, and I can hear it myself. Too. And now, wow. Sarah, will you? I'm going to shut up here for a second. Will you pot down Tim's computer in a moment and then pot it back up? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, because I never hear it. Okay. Gone. Oh, yeah. And back. There, it's back. Big time. So there is a, a right channel hum coming from Tim's computer somehow. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. But the thing is, it's not always there. Sometimes it's not there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why it is, uh, but it's there and it drives me freaking batty. Can, okay. can you spray some hum remover into that I pot? <laughs> I bet I could. Yeah. No. So I just really here's and at this point, if you can fix it somehow, it's just a bonus. Like if you can make that hum go away, so much the better. Really, my only thing is for you to hear it and to know that I'm not crazy. No. Because then it's like when you take your car to the mechanic and it's making a squeaking sound, and then you turn in your car and the sound, of course, is gone, and the mechanic thinks you're a retard. So as long as everybody here doesn't think I'm a retard as no. regards this, at no, least. of course not. All right. So, anyway, so just... But, Tim, try one thing for me. Open up your volume control and fade it all the way down to zero and see if see what that does to it. How do I do that, Matt? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're asking me. Feel I'm free to play along at home. I haven't run a board since 1995. <laughs> <laughs> um, Perfect. What are you asking him to do? Well, on your on well, your just a blind leading to death. I'm a, former, yes, exactly. I'm a former union man who's not allowed to touch anything. Oh my that, God! Oh that no! It doesn't have a red button. It doesn't say on. Well, let, here's your mouse. Let me see your mouse. Let, let me see your mouse, Tim. And uh, creepy. <laughs> so I think right. you're looking for the volume control in his computer. Isn't this fun? Yeah. All right. In real time. Like it, it, <laughs> Next, we're gonna solder some things. Ultra fine programming. Well, last week we were on Craigslist looking for things at random. <laughs> We haven't even begun the news hour yet. So I don't know if this is um if this is even tell me if I'm going to make you late for something. Oh no no that's oh, fine. No, we have no, time it's, the it's all right. No nothing but time. Okay, we're, and for those listening at home, Sound. we're into control panel and now sounds and audio devices. Now I wonder now are people on the air uh, ah, able to he- able to hear this hum on the air? Do you think? Yes. Uh, really? If, if, if assuming they've got you know decent enough radio, or if they're listening to the stream, they can almost certainly oh, hear because the stream is it's not mono or anything. Oh, it's ma- yeah, okay. No. Then so, I'm gonna drop the. Uh, should I shut up now to see if the hum goes yeah, away? Let's see if it goes. All right. Here. Okay. Turn these phones up so I can. No, it's still there. No, it's no. still there. <laughs> so it's, it's after. How come I can't hear this? How come I'd be deaf? I think we know the answer to that. <laughs> Seriously, I mean it's because you have a different range. Yeah, it's because your mid range is all gone. So. You can probably hear, you were able to hear those really high notes though when we were doing that yeah, hearing test that day. Were, turned way less, uh, uh, way quieter. Yeah, but you go to a lot of shows though, and I bet you don't I wear hearing wear protection. Combat. I bet mm-hmm. I, I bet that you don't wear earplugs, and I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying I bet you don't, uh, because you go to a lot of shows that you don't really plan out in advance, or you're like, what should we do? I don't know. Let's go see that band, and then you just don't think about it, and then you're there. And if you had a few, you don't always notice that it's really loud. So people on party lines. Yeah. Or that, uh, sure. So I would wager My party line lifestyle. <laughs> I would I would wager that a lot of your because if you work in radio, my experience, you lose all your high end. Where yeah. things that are really high pitched, you lose. I think if you go to a lot of shows, it's a lot of mid and lower range because it's such heavy 
such heavy mid-range and bass sounds coming out of the stage. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Uh, okay, now I want you guys to continue to listen for the hum, and I'm okay. going to take my uh, my huge flashlight here uh-huh. and go crawl around under there and, and poke at the wires. What does the hum look like? Computers. I guess you mean the flashlight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're very dangerous. Should we proceed with the news like as we normally would and just wait for the yeah, hum to go away? You can hear you. You'll be able to hear the hum underneath Timmy doing the. Yeah. Thing. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay, then that's fine. All right, ladies and gentlemen, actually get on with the show. <laughs> we now begin the noon news hour. Twelve eleven. Good afternoon. Emerson noon. News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. There are friendly closed-door sessions going on at the Oregon Zoo as they review their peacock policy. Days after a young boy was scratched in the face over the weekend. Uh, apparently, the, uh, the peacock attached a young boy named Cooper without being provoked. Cooper. My son was watching the peacock when all of a sudden, without warning, it jumped up, it latched onto his face, and then let go. Cooper has a scratch around his eyes and eyelids, forehead around his ears. I'm grateful that his eye wasn't poked out, said his mother. You can see the long scratch behind his ear. You realize that something like this could happen. Well, about two dozen peacocks roam around the zoo. They have for a decade. And the latest peacock attacks were two years ago. One happened when the peacock wanted a piece of candy a boy wanted. Guess who won? It was the peacock's candy. <laughs> nature, nature always bats last, Tim. So yeah. wait, this wasn't out like on somebody's property. Is it the zoo? Yeah, the peacock's Well, the keep place. an eye on your freaking kid at the zoo. Oh, Jesus. no, it's society's problem. No. no. What? what was that? I don't know. Sorry, that's uh, is, this, is the Bob Newhart show beginning? Somebody's looking for the peacock. <laughs> Hello? So it's punch night. Dun, 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 dun. So my thing is... So, wait. So the two bad peacocks... Hold on, I think the hum's gone. Is it? It's gone. I don't hear it. Wait. It's gone. I don't hear it. I don't hear the hum. What, what was that? Hum remover. There's a big beeping. What was the hell was that sound? It means the hum has left the building. <laughs> no, I, oh. the hum the hum is still gone. No. All right. Okay. Excellent. Uh, so the kid was at the zoo, but he, so this wasn't like a peacock that was roaming around at somebody's house like no, they sort of do at Vancouver. But when you enter the zoo, doesn't say on your ticket that the peacock can scratch you and you can't do a damn thing about it. I don't really. I mean, I don't know. Let me just say that I've never really gone through the Oregon Zoo as like a patron. Uh, and I've seen a couple uh, concerts there, but I, I went think at that's Christmas it. time and froze my butt off. They have, all these, mean, they have all these lights up and it's like ten degrees below zero. And you I think I speak for everybody when I say that. I mean, what is the point of going to the zoo more than once in your life? I mean, especially if you've gone to, like, what do you, would you say is the definitive... Was the San Diego Zoo the definitive zoo in America? Oh, yeah. I mean, so once you've gone to... And you've gone there. Yes. So once you've gone to the San Diego Zoo, what is the point of ever going to the zoo again? Like, why would you ever need to see... No, 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 I need to see a turtle again oh, for cool, some reason. They have a cool bird show here. They have a, it's like an aviary? Yeah. Do they have one of those... They stand outside and the birds fly through the crowd and land on... Uh... The guy's using a... Uh, Land on your eye. One of those things that you use to take out hot pans from an oven. Oh, that. it's like a falconer with a big leather yeah. glove. So... They're like Oregon birds that you don't see anywhere else. So what, 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 now where now where was the peacock, though, in relation to the kid? In other words, were the peacocks just roaming freely around yeah. the zoo? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they got beaks and claws. Beaks and claws are made to scratch and tear. And, and shouldn't the uh, the peacocks have the right of way when it comes to a zoo? And shouldn't it's parents be keeping zoo. an eye on their children? No, no, that's society's problem. No, no. All right, well, whatever. Hey, do they have one of those things here where you can go and stand in the middle of, like, a big mesh thing and butterflies land all around you? That's one of the things I'd like to see. They have some of those zoos where it's like... They I have... think they do have it here, actually. See, that would be kind of cool. I've never seen one of those where you walk in and it's like an aviary, but just for butterflies. We have butterflies in the suburbs that fly around our parks. We don't have butterflies in my neighborhood, though, Tim. You've all chased them away due to your... <laughs> they <laughs> fled. <laughs> the butterflies all fled to the suburbs. 
All right. They know better. <laughs> we have rats and spiders. I was just going to say I have hobo spiders and cockroaches. That's about it. I uh, I saw a cockroach the other day. You know what? I saw something that I thought was a hobo spider the other day, and I don't know because there's that other there's that other harmless spider that they say gets by solely by like looking like a hobo spider. It's sort of like a it's the Joe Estevez of the uh, of the arachnid world. It sort of looks like something that you know that commands respect. So I didn't freak out because I'm not sure if it's a hobo spider or not. But I do remember seeing that news report again. They did this last year and they did it about five weeks ago, saying that hobo spider infestations are up this year, but only in southeast Portland. So. All right. Well, in any event, so if you go to the zoo, uh, why don't you keep your kid away from things that have claws and beaks, huh? Huh? I would love to be bitten by a peacock. <laughs> I mean, so why ruin it for Why else? ruin all the fun for the other children? The love of God Almighty. The child needs to be shown to display a little backbone. Yes. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, meanwhile, police, with the help of a text message, this is the second text message crime that we've had solved in the past week. Because people have these things. Uh, police said with the help of a text message, they've arrested three men accused of kidnapping a 35-year-old man from his trailer in the Portland suburb of Damascus in Clackamas County. The man kidnapped Ivan Acosta as uh, a 23-year-old woman hid in a closet. She text messaged her mother, and the mother called the police. The uh, sheriff's office broadcast the suspect information to other law enforcement agencies and crash him. Please later stop the vehicle, of course. They contained the three suspects. Uh, one had a gun, so they arrested three people. So people have these text messaging things, so crooks can't get away with anything anymore. So stop being crooked. Let's talk about food, shall we? Six Chili's restaurants in Oregon and Washington have closed their doors for good as of tomorrow. But some before that, uh, the Chili's in Beaverton over by Tennisborn, uh, they've all lost their jobs effective last night. A sign on the front door reads, close for repair. But there's another picture of someone on the ladder taking down the Chili sign. <laughs> Do you call that a repair? Are they repairing the chili sign? Are they not to put it back? Trying to repair the stock value by firing everybody. Yeah, so it says close the repairs, but there's, there's another picture the guy, guy burning the building down. He's carrying the chili sign down the ladder. I would think this is definitely closed. That goes beyond refurbishment, Tim. Can I tell you something? Now that the hum is gone, I sort of miss it. I mean, I'm just I'm listening. Hold Maybe on. Maybe we can have it just one day out of the week. Let's just listen. Like, hold on. Just... Hum Wednesdays. Life without the hum. It's not there anymore. Mm. I can't miss the hum because it never existed to me. You know, Janet, it's like when I lived underneath the uh, airport and all those planes would fly overhead. And then when I moved, I missed those planes. All right. Well, in any event. So if you want to go to Chile's, you have to go to the one in Clackamas. Well, That's the only one that will lie. I would think. So Chile's in Beaverton. Hillsboro, Wilsonville, Lincoln, we all the good places have closed, <laughs> but they leave the Clackamas one open. <laughs> and I would, <laughs> and I would think, I would think that it, maybe this is some sort of an attempt to beautify Clackamas. Though they figure that by leaving a Chile's there, it is, it's, um, it's maybe they're trying to lure people from better neighborhoods into Clackamas. Do you suppose? Like, maybe they figure that's the only way to get you into Clackamas by putting it. We put a Chili's here, maybe some nice people will come. Mm -hmm. uh, I would think that a Chili's is sort of a recession-proof restaurant, though. I mean, I would put a Chili's right up there with sort of like an Applebee's or a TGA Friday's that just, like, I don't really, here's the thing, like, I, I don't really know anybody who sits down and plans out that they're going to go to a Chili's, but when you go there, I mean, maybe not now. You get a big platter of chips. But they would, for but like it, five bucks, and you can, it's like a full meal. Well, it was. And I, well, see, you know, my wife and I actually, it's funny, we were in the suburbs this weekend. We went to Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, where they have a huge, I swear to Christ, it says this, a huge table display that says, 
as seen on the Rick Emerson radio show. So, you know, just puzzle that out for yourself, that was I suppose. The first thing I noticed. As seen on. I mean, it just, we love pals and all, but it just, maybe this. Uh, I mean, it was neat to see, like, this whole mix of all these books that are, that I love so dearly all together. It was sort of weird. My, there was no girlfriend in a coma, though. Uh, no, I think they were sort of rotating through them. Yeah, My wife was speculating that the as seen on the Rick Emerson radio show thing, that they were referring to theater of the mind. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but we were, so we were in the suburbs this weekend, and we actually were playing a sort of game where we were trying to list the three attributes of, of, of a typical suburban chain restaurant, like a Chili's. Uh, and one of the Olive things, uh, and yeah, you know, one of the things we noted here is the thing that you can always and I, please don't call about this, and I would turn it into a whole high concept thing. But we were talking about because I asked her, I said, I said, you know, honey, what would you list as the three attributes of a chain suburban restaurant? And you know, the one that we agreed on is that the appetizers are always bigger than the size of a meal itself. So it is Applebee's, Chili's, TGA Fridays, uh, Flingers, Tchotchkes, any of those places. The nachos are always like the size of a tire. I mean, they're huge. And going out to eat in the suburbs takes like five or six hours by the time you finish eating everything. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like eating in the city. <laughs> they just keep bringing you food. They just keep eating. Uh, and this is, I mean, God help you if you've ordered the soup and salad to go with your entree. I mean, really, by the time you finish like five pounds of chicken wings and a bunch of tenders and an onion loaf fried thing... I mean, Jesus, and yet they, they, they send out for extra stomachs to hold all the food. So, well, in any event, so Chili's has gone everywhere but in the clack. So, uh, well, the most humorous one was at Chili's in Beaverton last night. So the crew arrives, and while they're there, the restaurant is being stripped with people carrying everything out, packing it into a moving van <laughs> before they're told that they're no longer working. Only the bar stools remain. <laughs> Fantastic. So it's the uh, the slow economy, apparently. All right. Um, Rick. By the way, about that hum, I've heard the hum for several weeks now. I assumed it was Richie's personal massager, just so you know. All right, there you go. Uh, somebody else has suggested we will now lose our new station name of AM970, the hum. Thank you. Uh, let's see. What are we uh, doing here? Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Good day, sir. You know, the uh, Chili's in Clackamas, I believe, is actually attached to and inside the Clackamas Town Center there. Uh, so maybe they just don't, maybe they tried to close it, but they didn't know where it was. Maybe they lost sight of it. That that could have been. You know, um, Chili's had the baby back ribs, and Tony Roma's had ribs. And I'm wondering, is Buster's next? Now is Tony Roma's gone? Tony Roma's is no longer in uh, in Oregon. It's gone. It used to be there um, up by the new Mall 205. Not the old 205. No, the okay. new Mall 205. Um, the, uh, which is too bad. You know, Tony Roma's is a place uh, that I, I know a lot of sort of rib purists uh, who didn't like to eat there. But you know what? That place, i, I got to tell you, it was really fantastic food. And they had that huge, that's where I was talking about the onion loaf. That's where it was. Oh, yeah. It was at Tony Roma's. It was sort of like the, um, it was like a brick-shaped version of the Bloomin' Onion, which I think is a thing they have at, the Bloomin' Onion is at Applebee's, though, I think. Yeah, I don't know where that is. Well, right. you know, they, they closed the Tony Roma's, and then they opened up a Hooters. And then uh, then they closed it, so uh, there's a vacancy up there right. now near the new Mall 205. Not the old Mall 205. No, I don't know what it is. The look of the new Mall 205, whatever it was. All right. Thank you, sir. There you go. All right. They closed on that Hooters. I don't think I thought the Hooters was one of those places that just stayed open. I, again, but it's. I thought I would put that with some of these other restaurants, sort of a, re a recession-proof business. So, all right. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, guys. Hi. How are you? Well, we're adorable. How are you? Oh, nice. Uh, did you guys have a good weekend? Yes, thank you. And you. Excellent. So uh, I was out at the uh, um, Waldport uh, this weekend. and uh, You were out at the what? Out at Waldport. What is that? 
Walport, just south of uh, Newport, small little coastal town. Anyone? Walport? No. I yeah. guess it's on the map somewhere. All right, sure. Yeah, so they had they have a report, uh, a newspaper that comes out uh, every week, and the they Walport Picayune. Yeah, exactly. The Bugle. Yes. <laughs> so they have a police log, and some of the uh, the police uh, reports in this are just absolutely just mind-boggling. Small-town police log reports are some of the best reading you will ever yeah. do. There was, I saw, uh, not to hijack your story, but real quickly, I saw one this weekend. I forget where it was from, like Shreveport or something. The mm -hmm. best the best police log report I've ever seen. Um, I'll have to find it. It said, God, what did it say? It was a report about, I think it was like a homeless woman who they thought was walking along the street holding a baby. And it said, you know, spotted transient woman holding a baby. Upon closer inspection, <laughs> turned out to only be a burrito. <laughs> I swear to God, I read that this weekend. I don't remember. I'll have to find it. I read that this weekend. In some online where a guy goes through and he sort of, it's like a news aggregator like FARC, where they find sort of great stories from around the world. And that was an actual police log from Louisiana. A transient woman holding what appeared to be a baby on closer inspection. It was only a burrito. Yeah. Well, this one, I mean, 11.30 a.m. in Yahats, report of transient behind business, drinking and watching children. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's another one. 2.30 uh, a.m., Person found hitting golf balls and told to move on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. It's another bustling night in Yaholtz. Oh, I tell you what. Uh, an, this one's really good. Uh, person was bitten by neighbor's cat, but cat is still on the loose outside. <laughs> Neighbor feels trapped by cat. <laughs> That's fantastic. No, no joke. Dude, do you, have to, do you have access to a scanner? Oh, I've got to scan this for you. Yeah, At some point, you got to scan that and send that our way. Neighbor well, feels trapped like by, by cat. Oh, yeah. Genius. All right. What's your name, sir? Clint. All right. Clint, uh, you call us anytime, my friend. Are you spreading the word about the show? Every day. God bless you. Thank you. Oh, I've, got, I've got one more thing for okay, you. Okay, go ahead. This was an actual ad in that paper. Okay. It says, the poop thief, specializing in the feces of dog species, home or not, I'll come steal your poop. Your yard can be stink-free for the price of just a couple of mochas a week. Julie Life, turdologist. The poop a, thief. Yeah, and there's an actual phone number, and she'll come and... Imagine introducing her, her to your parents as the person you're going to marry. <laughs> well, what does she do? Well, she's the poop thief. She's a certified turdologist. All right, thank you. Thank you. Bye now. All right. Jesus. Uh, all right, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, great show. Thank you, sir. And Tim and everybody and everybody and everybody. Um, I just want to let you know. It's like um, an and the rest kind of a thing. Yeah, and the rest, yeah. the Professor Marianne. Uh -huh. um, unfortunately, I can still hear the hum over the radio. You are making it up. You're screwing with us by lying. No, no it is. It is We're uh, bearing false witness against your neighbor in violation of God's law. Yeah, well, that's the last commandment. I had to check off the list, so what could I do? All right, so you're claiming you still hear the hum. Yeah, and it, it is lower. Um, but um, and it, it changed. It sounds a little bit different, but it's it's definitely still there. Wait, hold on. Let's all be quiet right now I'm for a so moment. I'm so mad that I cannot hear the hum. Now, see, be glad because see how it's tormenting us. All right, let's all shut up for just a second. We'll see if the hum is still there. Oh. Who was that? Who did that? Was that you, sir? Hello. I told everyone to be quiet. Right. Okay, keep your grubby paws off the phone. It wasn't me. Liar. All right, hold on. Let's listen. You're the only one with the phone. <laughs> Well, no, I, mean, I don't hear a hum. I hear station. RF, though. 
Somebody talking, a lady. Oh, for the love of... All right, now I can hear a female voice in my, in my right they're channel. They're the we're not, we're not. I can, Tim and I both, we I can, can both hear, hear it. How come you guys crank your headphones up? I can hear them like all the way down the hallway, and I can't hear the voice. Let me... All right, I got to hear... You're not deaf okay, like I'm going to listen one more time. Deaf like me. RF I can totally hear, hear RF in my right channel. Here comes Matt Green again. All right, <laughs> sir... You so uh, let's get Matt Green the engineer I'm not, I'm not back on here. About the RF. Oh, I'm not. I can't. I can barely I, even hear it unless I'll I. Be quiet one more time. Okay. All right, let's all be quiet one more time. Wait. Well, we should let Matt put on his headphones too. Oh, I don't have them with me. I'm going to trust you. They're guys. right there in front of you. Oh, well. There's actually two pairs sitting. <laughs> these are not sitting mine, six Rich. inches I don't away know from that you. I can wear these. Uh, nobody's had those on but Richie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just effing with you. <laughs> all right. So we'll let Matt plug these in. Uh, these both have. You know what we're doing? We're doing what we do best. Uh, what's that? They both have the wrong version. No, but, they, but there's a small adapter right here. Hello, engineer. You can plug <laughs> them in right here into oh, a small... He they, don't call me, they don't call me engineer for nothing, okay? Uh, so I'll let you plug those in. By the way, we should... You know, we're doing right now what we do best, which is relentlessly pandering to radio nerds and to other people who work in broadcasting. Yeah. All right, so we're all going to be They're quiet for listening. a second. So we might as well. Yeah, I'm going to have to turn up my head. All right, and so there is no longer a hum to my way of thinking, although this listener claims he can hear a hum, but Tim and I both hear RF. Uh, RF, by the way... Uh, what does RF stand for? It stands for radio frequency. Is that? I, I didn't think it could be that simple, but it basically, when you say it in radio, it means you're hearing another channel or interference. Mm -hmm. All right, so I hear RF in my right channel, so does Tim. So let's all be quiet. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, right there. I can hear it. What the hell? I, I read the Deaf, that sister. What do you, okay, we're getting you a hearing test. By the time I heard it, though, there was I had so much gain going on that it... Uh, you had so much game? Gain. Oh. <laughs> I had so much game, Rick, I couldn't oh. be bothered. Let me tell you about my game, Rick. Uh, mm -hmm. Very special. Um, it, yeah, yeah, so I hear RF there. You guys got a bad ground line somewhere, I think. In your... No, you know what it is, is that we're doing construction work at the uh, Sylvan Transmitter site, and so therefore... The, oh, uh, people are still the transmitter. Oh, it's all the way up the tra there. The transmitter is is on uh, uh, special mode so that we don't fry tower people. Oh, please. Oh. Is it reduced power? Well, that's just sissy talk. Yeah. Right. So then, as a result, you know, the receiver's going, well, I don't know what I'm doing with myself, and it's picking up somebody. All right, well, this guy claims he still hears the hum. Tim oh, and I think absolutely he's... not, because when no, I first the, heard the him say is... that, I, I, I turned my stereo up in my office, and it's definitely not. So, uh, it's hum free. There ain't no hum. No. Okay. All right. So if you're hearing a hum, I, I sir, it, it's, it's, at, it's in your local no, radio. I was going to say, that's loose wiring inside your head, sir. I'll talk to my ear doctor. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> we call that an audiologist. All right. Sir, so I don't, I don't know where... to do a hearing test. No, we're going to have to do... Because you couldn't hear the hum, which... Sarah one for can, Sarah. I, can I speak for everybody when I say that hum was really loud? And I'm not effing with you. That hum, that's why I finally was like, Matt, you have to come fix it. Yeah, Matt and I were talking about it. I'm like, I've never heard that hum that he's talking about. I think Rick's I know you that. thought I was hallucinating, but that hum from Tim's computer was unbelievably loud. Yes. Uh, and now it's gone. Uh, it was actually so loud that as is now, it actually has taken me a while to kind of get used to it not being there because it was just sort of like this weird... Uh, like, uh, but uh, but now Tim and I can both hear this other broadcast in our right channels, and you can't hear it at all. So that makes the second thing that we can hear. And by the way, we're we're old and deaf. You are young and spry-ish, yeah. and you can't hear it. So your hearing needs to be tested. And I'm not Why? just saying that Why so does I can it need to be tested. Because I don't need I, to know if my hearing because I can bad. exploit it on the air. <laughs> you have insurance, you might as well. Seriously. But I mean, I mean, but what's the point? Like, why get it tested if there's nothing they can do about it? Because I need some way to feel superior to you. Well, because they may be able to do something about it, and plus the fact, Sarah, you, you don't you don't want to have some kind of degenerative thing. Well, that's on. the thing; it's going to continue to get worse. That is a fair point, actually, because it, because on the off chance that it is that it is not due to exposure to loud noise, that's actually a fair point. I hadn't even thought about that. You so may have a strangely shaped ear canal, as I found out when I had my hearing examined. Really? Yes. 
Huh. I have a regularly shaped ear canal. You haven't been abusing oxycodone, have you? No. No. All right. So, Why, uh, does that do something to your ears? No, that was Rush Limbaugh's whole, you know, <laughs> you know, that no, whole thing. Nobody wants to that anymore. So, but that is a fair point, actually. You do, you should do it just to make sure that it's not, that your hearing loss is only due to the environment and not, you know, like some, some weirdness in your head. You know that. So, we'll find somebody to give you an ear test. All right. Thank you, Matt. Sure. All right. Time. Should we take a break? <laughs> All right. If you want to. Um... All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back, and we'll get lots of news done. Nothing but news. Tons of news. That sounds wonderful. More news than you could possibly imagine. And then maybe we'll take a, we'll take apart the board and just count the number of wires inside. All right, back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. private yes indeed all right why hello it's the rick emerson radio program oh here we go it's from uh, mountain view which is what california right mountain view i guess so mountain view california um this is from the police log it's from a walmart oh here we go mountain view california walmart police receive a report of a newborn a newborn infant found in a trash can Upon investigation, oh. officers discover it was only a burrito. <laughs> <laughs> that is so great. I don't know. Don't ask me. I mean, really, before you open your mouth to ask me, realize I have no explanation. Fantastic. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, Burgerville has started selling a local woman's panties. <laughs> oh, man, that should be panties. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, last year, this woman named Marie... <laughs> Sign me up. Can I go to the Can I go to the drive-thru? <laughs> Do they deliver? I've never heard you. I've never heard you say anything so. <laughs> declare it so. Let, let me reread that. I thought maybe it was for charity. Was like one of those sexy eyes. calendars that Burger old women Bill do. Burgerville has just started selling a local woman's patty. <laughs> okay. So this woman named Marie. I won't use her last name because this this must be tremendously embarrassing for her. I was cooking away in her kitchen. She was uh, trying to uh, come up with a vegetarian patty, and luckily, uh, Burgerville has decided to ditch the Garden Burger. I don't know if you heard about this story, but I went to the Garden Burger aisle at Fred Meyer over the weekend, and they've all been removed, all of them. Now, I don't buy Garden Burgers very often, but I used to go to Burgerville because they had the Black Bean Garden Burger, which they don't sell in stores. Right. Well... They removed them, and I was wondering. I went to Fred Meyer, and I found that all the Garden Burgers have been removed. Now, is that just at Fred Meyer? Is that, like, from all stores everywhere? It just says Fred Meyer. So I don't know who else sells them. Oh, so you think maybe they've been muscled out by a competitor. No, actually, uh, apparently this story, uh, the restaurant restaurant workers had noticed abnormalities in the look and texture of uh, the patties. So on Friday, Burgerville introduced a vegetarian patty. That's not panties. From the <laughs> local vegetarian panties. <laughs> And Kellogg's declined to elaborate on uh, what might be wrong with the product and why a voluntary withdrawal was called. Uh-huh. So these are made at some Utah plant. Apparently, this plant in Utah is under construction. Oh, I see. So they think that maybe like a piece of shingling or something may have allegedly may have fallen into the... Uh... So nobody's admitting any wrongdoing. Of course not. No, they never do. 
But Fred Meyer has pulled out all garden burgers. All right. Not that I eat them a lot. Well, so in the absence as a vegan, Tim, in the absence of garden burgers, what would you recommend? Woman's panties. No. Actually, I... I do eat other varieties of burgers. Uh, is there Trader another... Joe's has a lot of good vegan stuff. Trader Joe's actually, you know, the thing about Trader Joe's is their vegetarian slash vegan food is so good mm -hmm. uh, that I will, I mean, I'll just, I eat and don't even notice the difference. I mean, it actually, yeah. a lot of times that's a fiction they peddle when they say, even meat eaters can't tell the difference. I and mean, it's usually a lie. Right. Uh, but Trader is... Joe's has breads that nobody else has, and that's oh. why I buy most of my stuff. Hey, you know what's a really good bread? Uh, uh, God, what is, oh, now, of course, now it's escaping me. I think it's like... Steve's bread or something, or maybe? Wow, no, no, no. I I knew it until I opened my mouth to say it. It's like, uh, but it's like some local guy. Oh, I know that guy. He goes to Angelo's a lot, and he has like a ponytail, yeah. and it's like the front is him with a guitar. Dave, is it Dave? Dave's uh, Dave's Killer Bread, I think, yeah. is what might it be called. I mean, it's not a paid plug. I'm just saying. There's maybe this... they could become a sponsor. Yeah, it's entirely possible. We'll have endorsement. Uh, it is a uh, it is a, a a local brand of bread. I think it's called Dave's Killer Bread, and it's one of those great. It feels almost like sprouted. Bread. It's one with like a loaf. It feels like it weighs about forty pounds. Uh, it really, really is uh, is quite fantastic. So um, let's see here. Um, all right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, so talking about food, you may or may have not noticed a trend in the supermarkets. Uh, several brands have, well, made their packages a little bit smaller. For instance, uh, ice cream cartons. A newer carton holds one and a half quarts of ice cream compared to the older carton that held one point seven five quarts. And the price is the same. Of course. So things are getting smaller, and they're not telling people. They, they've been doing the same thing, by the way, with dog food over the past couple of years. Well, you know, you know where this has happened the most. Uh, the gradual diminishment of size, uh, the thing to watch there is the candy bars. Because I am old enough to remember this. Uh, when at one point they started putting inside a candy bar package, they started putting that cardboard tray that was there. And the cardboard tray was presumably, like their claim was, that it was there to keep the, the the candy bar from being smashed, when really the cardboard tray was there so that you could not discern the size of the bar by picking it up and feeling it. Uh-huh. That was so they could make the bar smaller while keeping the package exactly the same, thus deceiving you. So uh, let's see here. What else do we have? Uh, butter, for those of you who eat it. It used to be a 48-ounce container. Now it's 45 butter. ounces. <laughs> also, the uh, price of milk has risen about 26% in the last year, and the cost of eggs up 40%. When dairy products cost more to produce, they uh, cost more for shoppers. So everything is uh, getting a little bit smaller, and the price is staying the same. And so a carton, a glass. Of... Hi, I'm a professional broadcaster. A gallon of milk now costs what? Would you say? I don't know. I don't drink. Milk. I mean, I know we do this like once a year where we do the dumb I like political soy milk. Uh, it's about three bucks, like two fifty-three. Is that true? Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, soy because... milk is about two ninety-nine for a half gallon. Milk is one of those things like gas, though, where it is sort of a staple. And I don't drink a lot of milk. Uh, but every but I'll go through about a half gallon of milk, you know, like every couple of weeks, uh, and I don't even really pay any attention to the price because it's really. I mean, you could buy soy milk, but soy milk, soy milk is way more expensive. Uh, not necessarily. If is you're it? Use coupons if you're a smart shopper. <laughs> and believe me, I'm very thrifty. If you go on, if you go on Tuesday on double couponing day. Oh, by the way, can I tell you? Speaking of of going on Tuesday on double couponing day, so I did the trashiest, greatest thing this weekend. Oh, I want to hear about it. Do you? Yes. Um. Do you mean that sincerely? Yes, You're just I pandering do. to me, Tim. Oh, I do. I, <laughs> really I, does. I, I, the... I know you're capable of the trashiest thing, so I want to hear the latest thing. <laughs> do you live your trash vicariously through me, Tim? Yes, I do. Am I sort of a window through which you can view the lower rungs of society? Uh-huh. Good. Uh, so I did the trashiest thing. I went to Safeway, and I went to the, I went to Safeway with like like big Tupperware things of coins that I had collected, and I went to that coin master machine uh, that they have uh, by the checkout uh, counter. 
You know, that, like that big machine that counts your coins? Mm-hmm. So have you ever done that? Like Coinstar or whatever? Yeah. Have you ever used that thing? Mm-mm. Oh, you got to do it. It's so satisfying. No, because they take like 10% of it, don't they? They only take 7%. And it, which is, and 7% is, I mean, you know, 7 cents a dollar or whatever. But I mean, but isn't the deal, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but isn't the deal, if you go to the bank, you have to like roll the crap beforehand? Like, don't you, have to, so, yeah. don't you have to roll up your money before you go to the bank? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. There's just no way. I mean, this is. I, I have before. I am willing to pay seven cents a dollar uh, to not have to roll. I mean, I, because I go like once a year, about, like every nine to 12 months. I will take all of my assembled coins. I got a big Tupperware thing at home. And when I, when I empty out my pants pockets before the laundry or whatever, <laughs> coin goes in there. Uh, and then, like, as soon as, the, as soon as it's full, I take it to the Safeway and I dump it into the Coin Master thing. So, first of all, I'll tell you this. It's great because as you're dumping the coins in, there's like this is this is why they get you. It's sort of like a weird reverse slot machine. When you dump the coins into the tray and you hit the start button and you start feeding the coins in, as it's tallying up the money, there's a huge digital readout in front of you that tells you how much money you've got. And it really is it's kind of great because it's sort of like it is kind of it's kind of like a weird pulling the slot machine because you want to see how high it'll go. Mm-hmm. And you're sort of trying to figure out you're like well, it's already at $75, and it looks like it's got a lot more to count. Man, I wonder if I'll break 100 Man, I broke 100 I wonder if I've got $110. Mm-hmm. And, but of course, it's like the loudest thing on earth, though, because it does sound like a huge Las Vegas slot machine payout. So it's just a sound that resonates through the entire store, and everybody is looking over at you, and you realize that even though it's your money, like it's money that actually belongs to you, and everybody collects change, and there's nothing wrong with that. You do realize that you look like the biggest rube on earth. I mean, you look like the biggest trailer park hick on the planet when you are using the Coin Star thing. Because because you know why? Because when I see somebody using the Coin Master thing, that's exactly what I think. I think to myself, look at that rube, probably trying to pay the rent with you know with couch leavings, and that's exactly what I think of people. And of course, that's probably what they were thinking of me. So I pour in all my coins. And it gets to $114, and then it just stops. It just stops, and the machine turns off, and it says, please see attendant. And, of course, at, like, the customer service thing. And so then the customer service thing is closed. So then i got to go find some guy in the basement to come up and turn on the coin thing. And then i got to feed the rest of the – it turns out like a button had jammed up the works. Then at the end, it spits out my receipt, except when he took it apart to get the button out, the receipt, you know, thing got untangled or whatever. And so I had to get him to come up a second time. Anyway, long story short, guess how much uh, – guess how many dollars worth of change I had. Four. <laughs> um, oh. 93. Four. <laughs> Who says four? <laughs> is this like a showcase showdown? Do you think everybody else's guess is too high and you're trying I'm gonna to... I'm going to go for one more, Rick. I'm going to go for five. <laughs> you think everybody else has bid more, so you're bidding a dollar to try to get them both? Four? <laughs> Why would I go to the Coin Master thing with four dollars in change? I didn't know. Maybe, maybe you want to get enough money to buy the Inquirer and the pack of gum. <laughs> I did not have four dollars. <laughs> that just doesn't make sense. Why is that so? <laughs> I had two hundred and two dollars in change. Four. <laughs> I'm sorry for thinking so low of you. <laughs> it's just the idea that you think I would walk all the way to the Safeway, stand in line, and then get the guy from customer service to come help me not once but twice for $4 in change. And also, since I was complaining about how you have to roll it for the bank, that it would somehow be beyond me to roll $4 in coins. Like, I couldn't be by, I can't roll Stop $4. That's 16 quarters. I'm not going to roll 16 quarters up. What are you, a savage? Four. 
That's just illogical thinking, Tim. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on. My well, whatever. I real I was th you know the thing is I was thinking that story had no point, and I realized I realize now it didn't, but it was all worth it to get to that line. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, two hundred and two dollars and fourteen cents I had. It was so deeply satisfying too, and then you take a slip up and they give you like they give you like a big fistful of cash for two hundred and two dollars. Not you know the other. Ah, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir, madam, as the case may be. Hey, Rick, it's Megan, your neighbor. Hey, Megan, my neighbor. Hello, how are you? Um, I happen to be listening. Oh, happy birthday, break. by the way, for your upcoming birthday. Thank you. Yes. Don't think um, I don't read my MySpace messages. I do that. <laughs> well, um, I work at a bank. Uh-huh. We don't want you to roll up your coin. Oh, is that true? So I can bring them in now without rolling them? Yeah, because we have the coin counters now. Oh, is and that so true? so if you rolled them up, then we'd have to unroll them. And put it through the machine. Oh, see, so that shows you how long it's been since I took my coins to a bank. And I was still thinking I had because I'm not going to be rolling two hundred and two dollars worth of coins. That's just not going to happen. So I'll see. And we, now we don't we don't take a cut either. Oh, see, so now I'm cursing myself because that means I could have made an additional fourteen dollars. Exactly. All right. Well, next time to be sure. All right. Excellent. Thank you. All right. You're ha happy birthday again. Thanks. There they go. Thank you. I'll just take some more calls while everybody collects their uh, sensibilities. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi, Rick. This is Jeffy. Hey. Hey, um, just want to say happy birthday to Megan. I don't know her, but uh, uh, she, she is hot though. So, so you want, is Scott Daly's actual uh, birthday, and you want to be in uh, her good graces. And uh, happy I birthday understand. to Scott. Uh, the other thing was, uh, just like her, um, yes, banks don't charge you, so you could have made an extra fourteen bucks. So I'm out fourteen dollars that I could have had. So banks have stopped charging you for that, or they they well, don't they don't charge you. Yeah, they do not charge you. Neither of the banks that I've banked in the last ten years have done that. So, All right, so uh, let's so just to recap, so you so banks don't require it to be rolled, and they do accept do not, loose they, coins, and they don't charge correct. you. They do, they do not want it. To, uh, they do not want to roll because uh, you and your sticky little fingers can make a mistake, and their electronic counters normally do not. All right, and uh, they have to do the same thing once again: unroll them, stick right. them to the counter, and then you know it's twice the work. It's oh, in the future, Tim will be denied the comedy of my visits to the Safeway Coin Master. <laughs> Isn't that right, Tim? Uh, yeah, as you're, cool, yes. as you're chewing on your Slim Jim and and uh, eating spray cheese as you're waiting for the other yokels to get out of Scratching my ass in muscle pants. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. a wife, and a white beater. Seriously. Thank you. Uh, thank you, sir. Bye now. Rick, right. how come you don't think this is the funniest thing ever? I, I do. I just realized that if I give in to my laughter at this moment, we're never going to get anything done, so we're going to spend the rest of the day laughing about Tim going, four? I mean... I, this is what happens when we have too much time on. <laughs> Usually one of us... That's true, three days of giddiness. Often Tim is, Tim is the responsible one, and Sarah and I will lose ourselves in cackling laughter about something as dumb. Usually Tim retains his composure. Today he's taking a day off from that, so I am retaining my composure over this joke, about which I would like to laugh heartily. So, anyway, so there you go. So duly noted. So, uh, uh, so I guess you can go to the bank at this point, and uh, I will do that in the future. Excellent. Well, I'm glad we have this talk, Tim. Would you yes. like to proceed with the news? <laughs> Certainly. Uh, police are looking for a man who broke into a Jansen Beach liquor store and took off with a container full of booze. Uh, this happened uh, when the suspect drove up, smashed the window of the store, then he loaded up one of those yard debris cans, the things on wheels, uh -huh. full of cigarettes and liquor. Uh, the man described as being white, with dark hair and a goatee and a mustache, was wearing a dark hooded sweatshirt, blue jeans, and tennis shoes. He was driving a late 70s Chevy, full-size pickup with a canopy, uh, apparently, uh, most of what he took was Jack Daniels whiskey. <laughs> well, he's in the yard thing. Excellent. So, yeah, if you want to rob things, the yard debris thing makes it easy because it's on two wheels. <laughs> and it fits like 50 If, if you want to rob things, listening, listen now as Tim Riley gives you tips on how to rob. 
higher on the who says that radio can't educate as well as entertain Tim higher on the Rick Emerson show hey hey hi guys hey hey Tim for president <laughs> oh, and for you were the one complaining that you didn't have enough money in your pocket to even make, like, change for a soda pop, and you have to bug off Sarah. So I think $4 is quite right on Tim's behalf. All right. Well, I'm, 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 it was an entertaining guess, if nothing else. I'll give you that. Well, well you're always begging for a little spare change. I just love the idea that I, that I couldn't be bothered to roll up 16 quarters. No, 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 i got to go to Safeway. Well, you, you won't roll them up, but you won't bring them to work for the machine either. No, well, and, and the other thing is that, like, there's $4 in change, but I somehow need that to be put in paper form before I can spend it anywhere. No, 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 I can't be paying for things with these quarters. I need this in paper. God bless Tim O'Reilly. Thank you. Bye. Tim right. O'Reilly is your Irish cousin, Tim. <sighs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Whoa. Hi, uh, hey. I'm an ear, nose, and throat doctor, and I'd love to test all your guys' hearing. Are you really an ear, nose, and throat doctor, or are you some kind of pervert? No, no. Yeah, I've called in a couple times. All I'm right. the one that, that explained why people get a rectal exam when they get hit on the head. Oh, yeah, I remember that call. All right, yeah. so okay. now do you, are you licensed to give hearing exams? Okay. Uh, well, I mean, the audiologist gives them. I interpret them. So I can look in your ears, find out if the reason your hearing sucks is because there's something wrong with your eardrum or the hearing bones or whether you're just deaf from... Now, uh, ideally, we would like to have both done. We'd like to get the hearing tested and then, in the case of Sarah, to find out why she can't hear anything. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I would just I just bring you guys in. If you get your hearing test, I could take a look with the microscope in your ears and... Make sure everything is A-OK. Now, here's well, a... It doesn't make any sense because I can't hear anything, but then Rick's headphones, I can't even get them within four inches of my head before it just deafens. Sarah did this thing during the break where she came over and picked up my headphones to put them on because she was like, well, let's see how loud you listen to things. And she couldn't even get my headphones near her head. It was so loud. So that's, huh. you know, that's me. Um, now, here's a dumb question. And it, is, is it possible to do the hearing exam uh, here on location or would we have to come in? You'd have to come in. General, I mean, unless you have one of those mobile hearing things on wheels where big companies hire you out. But, no, generally you need a soundproof booth where All right. it has to be built uh, we have the Well, we do. I mean, that, that, that we do have. We do have soundproof booths. Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we still have to come in. Well, where where is this physically located? Like, where, where uh, in the where My in the office city? is in the, uh, the gateway to Mount Hood, Gresham, Oregon. <laughs> I think Tim would rather be deaf. Um, <laughs> Tim, do you have any desire in having your hearing tested? If I don't have to go, if I don't have to go anywhere, okay, that's a no from Tim. Sarah, would you go with me? Come with me to Gresham. Would you go <laughs> with me to come on your married journey? Would you uh, go with me to Gresham to get your hearing tested? It'll okay, be amusing for the people. No, it'll be funny. All right. Uh, yeah. No, we'll do that, sir. Um, so, um, all right. Uh, should I put you on hold and we we'll get your contact info? Or? Sure. All right. I'll put you on hold and Richie will get your information. Thank you, my friend. All right. There goes that guy. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Well, a teenager was accused of biting butts at Walmart. Uh, police have arrested a middle school kid, uh, charging him with grabbing the buttocks of at least ten women at the Lovejoy Walmart. This is in Atlanta. Now, police believe there are more victims who have failed to report the assault. The 15-year-old suspect is charged with four counts of sexual battery. Uh, the complaints of rear-end assaults began at the store last August and continued through May. The boy interviewed by police uh, apparently admitted to some of the things, but not all of them yet. So biting us. Meanwhile, the aftershocks have caused more than 420,000 homes to collapse in China. Talk about shoddy construction. 420,000. And that's just an aftershock. Yeah, that's not even the actual earthquake. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I guess the Chinese are very good at But it's a communist country, and you know how they get corners there. So yeah, that's the way it goes. That wouldn't it. happen to strong American homes, Tim. No, not at all. No. 
More, not a street of it's a street of nightmares in China. Celine Dion has used six and a half million gallons of water. This, in a year on her Florida property, this is a study of local water usage. It found that her uh, five and a half acre estate used six and a half million gallons of water a year. That's more than 250 times the amount of water used by the average resident for filling a 50 gallon bathtub every four minutes. And Oh, close to 10,000-foot home is under construction on the site. Celine Dion refuses to respond for comments. A former neighbor of a Durham, North Carolina man convicted of his wife's murder claimed the death was not caused by a human, but rather an aggressive owl. Larry Pollard claims his deceased wife, Kathleen, was killed by an owl attack, not by her husband. Uh, Pollard uh, formerly worked as a lawyer and has spent years gathering information that indicates Kathleen Peterson's wounds were caused by an owl not by an assault with a fireplace poker. He said that despite repeatedly informing the media of his theories, he has not presented his idea to the district attorney. <laughs> I'm sorry. Somebody has said, Rick, now all I can picture is you waiting in line at Safeway with a tiny cup with 16 quarters in it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, if I may ask, where in the world is... <laughs> I just can't count this high. Someone help me. <laughs> With like just like a thimble full of coins. Sir, where's the machine to count these? <laughs> and then he says, if I may ask, Rick. <laughs> See, you bastards, I have to keep it together over here. He says, if I may ask, where in the world does someone even keep $200 in change? How is that even possible? That's true. Where did, it, where did it come from? It was in two, I would say, quart-sized Tupperware containers. Uh, so Weren't you worried about being robbed crossing the parking lot of that neighborhood? <laughs> you know, actually, now that I think about it, it maybe it was ill-advised. Probably Because so. they were both kind of full to the brim, mm -hmm. uh, and I had them sitting on the floor of my truck. And I, you know what I did? Can I just tell you this? So it's just to compound the inanity on KCMD Portland. Wait, hold on. Let me, uh, let me finish this cup of coffee here, and then I'll uh, tell you more of my thoughts about change. I miss the other popcorn theme. I like that one better. Oh, I think I actually found, I think I actually have that one. Wait. I think I have it on my computer. Let me look here. Here we go. Popcorn. Wait. No. I got something. All right. See, now that's... But I can't... I don't know where my copy of that went. Techno. Techno. Yeah, I don't know. I used to have that. I just don't know where it went to. This was so sweet of Lister Party when they played that. Mm -hmm. That's the moment I knew it was going to be the best party ever. When I went to their rehearsal the night before, and they're like, check this out. And they had this, I mean, I don't know if you noticed during that that opening of the uh, of the Listener Party 11, when they did this, each instrument came in one at a time. It started with the bass, then the sax, then the guitars, then the keyboard, and then Sarah and Jaris were doing, bah, 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 and they were like scatting it. Uh -huh. So it was, yeah, that's unbelievable. I mean, those guys, it's like the best band in the history of everything. Um... Yeah, I got nothing. Wait, hold on. Maybe it's this one. No, that's... Oh, that hurts my ears. You can hear this? Yeah, it hurts my ears. All right. Uh, in any event, so...
The, the other thing about me uh, going <laughs> with $202 worth of change is I did have that thought as I was crossing the parking lot. So there I am, carrying these huge court Tupperware things full of coins, realizing that if I trip, it's all over. I mean, <laughs> I mean if I were to trip, especially in that neighborhood, in southeast Portland, if I trip and spill $200 worth of coins, I don't even think I would have stopped to pick it up. I think I would have gone home. You know what I mean? Onto Especially the ground. in your neighborhood, you live in a scary area. I, I don't. I think I just would have started to cry, and I would have just shuffled back sadly to my living room. I don't even think. I think I would have just left it to, for the wind and the transients. Uh, so, and it, it took a goddamn long time to count two hundred and two dollars worth of coins too. Just sitting there, just waiting forever, and it's making the loudest clattering sound you can possibly imagine. And oh, every... you loved it. You loved the clattering sound because it was like, look how many coins I have. But, but not. But see, I really don't because because everybody, when you see somebody using the coin counter at, at, a, at a at a store, I always just assume that it's like they're they've been out scrounging money all day from people on the street and just waiting to buy some malt liquor. That's always what I think. You know, you see some guy over there just. Pouring the coins in, counting, and then sort of doing what I was doing, what I'm doing right now, sort of leaning forward on the coin master, like, all right, come on. All right, there's a nice bottle of chilled King Cobra waiting for us. Just uh, all I need is $8.50. Get ourselves some beef jerky to go with that. All right. Bada bing! And then they grab it, and then they, you know, especially it's, you know, that safe way with just homeless people. Squid had a good point. He wrote me, I don't think that you're strong enough to carry $200 worth <laughs> of No, when money's on the line, Sarah. What did you even carry it in? I just have these two quart Tupperware things. Uh, I, like each one on each arm? Were you kind of like power lifting them a little? No, I was sort of holding them like... Uh, like little coin babies? I was just going to... I was... <laughs> yes. I was like... Like the coin babies to to my breasts of plenty. Um, yeah, it was exa- I was holding them exactly like a woman would hold two babies that she was breastfeeding simultaneously. That is exactly. I never thought we would be talking about this for like 25 minutes, by the way. I thought this was just a passing observation about, hey, how about those wacky coin machines? Guess what I did this weekend? Like now that I think about it, when I'm right, when I'm looking here where I have a little note to myself, coin star, I don't even know why I was bringing it up. Just, I guess, to say, hey, here's something I did this weekend. I really don't even know what my point was when I initially brought it up. Well, you know what I did this weekend? I went and saw Indiana Jones. Oh, really? It's mm-hmm. very telling that you forgot to mention it yeah. until two hours into I, the show. I went and saw it again myself. You and Chris Paddock? Chris Paddock I saw liked it a it. second time. Dude, I liked it. Well, I went yeah. with someone who didn't see it. Before. I mean, it's not like... Look, it's, it's not, not the worst. It's not ever. the worst film ever. That skull, though, it did look like cellophane. It looks like saran into... wrap. Yeah. I mean... It was... So... Oh. Some of it was so... Ridiculous. Well, that's what I mean. It's not like a terrible but that film. That last scene was really good. Um, I liked the last with scene. With the with the. Yeah. I mean, it was you know it's okay. I mean, like I said as, as as I said last week, it's not like a bad 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 film, but it just was sort of a net. Like I sort of left it, and I think I speak for a lot of people. Like when we left at the screening, granted it was late at night, we all kind of left, and there was no sort of like woo, you know that was great. When we all left Crystal Skull. Uh, on Thursday, we all kind of walked out of the lobby, and we kind of looked at each other, and we went, "Okay, I." Uh... Well, it was. Who wants to go to Wendy's? You know, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it was sort of there. Um, but did you see the moment that Court and I were talking about the "you have got to be effing kidding me" moment? Mm-hmm. Do you know the moment I'm talking about? The come on. The fourth time. Uh. Oh God, the the ow my balls. Well, there was that, and then there's the uh, the Tarzan moment. With Shia oh, LaBeouf? That was so... It's awful. It's, it's so bad. 
That's something straight out of the Disney Channel. And uh, well, there's nothing to spoil in an Indiana Jones film. I actually went up to I mean, the facilities at that point, so I only caught the tail end. Oh, God. <laughs> the tail oh, end of the oh God. Oh, you, it's so much worse than you could even imagine. Oh, really? You're then, lucky that you didn't see, see all of it. See, maybe that's why I have such fond memories of the movie, because I'm... Because <laughs> you were in the bathroom for long sections of it. That and that... Uh, I mean, later on, we'll do like an Instapoll of people who saw Crystal Skull this weekend, and we'll get, we'll get their thoughts. And again, you know, I give it a thumbs up just because... You know, Spielberg is pretty good at what he does, and, you know, I thought Harrison Ford, you know, managed to pull it off. But it's just like you look at it, and it could have been so much better. Uh, there was things about it that it, they, that you almost wonder, like, did Spielberg see the same movie in the screening room that we all saw in the theater? Um, and, uh, yeah, the Ow My Ball stuff and how... That was so, like, the, the sword fight with him standing between the two cars, I'm like... And I know that he's, like, quick with a blade because he's a juvenile delinquent, but the idea that Shia LaBeouf is somehow an instant swordsman able to best a woman who's clearly spent 40 years of her life being trained by the Soviets. There were some really, really good good points. I actually laughed out loud at the... Um, the the snake, the snake thing. The snake. The, I, I, the, that was I LOL'd. The, I did. The, I, so did I, actually. The snake moment uh, with Indy is really good because there's a, a moment where they play on Indiana Jones with well, well-known Fear of Snakes. That was really good. Um, I thought all of the stuff when he and Shyla, and again, we're trying to speak vaguely, but I mean, there's only, I mean. And well, I just, it's not spoiling. You know it's an Indiana Jones movie. I was just going to say, I'll say this one, once flatly here. It's an Indiana Jones movie, so you know he goes into an underground cavern filled with spooky that stuff. That part was really cool when they go to the cemetery. Yeah, you know that there's creepy things, you know there's little bugs, and you know that uh, at the end, Indy it wins and evil is foiled. So, I mean, it's, deal it's, with it. That is what it is. So, but and the sequence, boat scene, too, is really kind of... When they're journeying underground and they're looking at the artifacts, that's what was really great. That's when you're like, this feels like an Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of trouble with uh, when... Uh, how do I put this? When Marion decides to save them by Marian. going off, and that's, then she's into the... That's what I'm saying about the boat thing. Like, I just, I could not get with that. And plus, her acting was pretty bad. Well, and my whole thing... I was, know she's, like, old and stuff, but... It's not just that. It's not, not just that. It's the, the Karen Allen, like, coming back as Marion Ravenwood. It's like they didn't even do anything with her. She I mean... So, like, uh, like, in all of her lines sounded like one-liners. And she's kind of coming back to the series after 25 years, but nothing really happened. Like, she's sort of just there to smile and to go, Indy! A couple of times, and then you... You know, you kind of, like, you know what it is? They it really did, is random, because if they haven't seen each other in 20 years, exactly. Like, hey, what's up? Exactly. What's up? That's exactly the point. They didn't act like a couple who had been separated 25 years ago and who were having this momentous reunion. They just didn't. So, while it wasn't a terrible film, it seemed like a sort of tracing of a movie that could have been really good. I can totally see that. Um, I watched Temple of Doom again this weekend, and uh, I'll talk about that more here in just a few. Here's Tim Riley. Well, a woman from Ohio has beaten her neighbor with a vacuum cleaner. Well done. They've arrested a woman who allegedly used a vacuum cleaner to beat a neighbor so she could steal from her. Investigators say Dora Nats was charged with aggravated robbery and felonious assault when she allegedly entered Florence Holmes' apartment and hit the woman over the head and body with a vacuum cleaner. She has cuts and broken bones as a result. She stole money from Holmes' purse after the attack. Police say Nance gave a taped confession. She could face 20 years in prison if convicted. Somebody's pulling out the pipes of men's rooms and fast food joints. Chrome-plated brass pipes have recently been taken from two McDonald's restaurants in Pennsylvania, along with Burger King elsewhere in the suburbs around Philadelphia. The suspect takes only about four minutes to shut off the water, pull the pipes out of the toilets and urinals. Uh, the man's image was caught on surveillance video in several locations. He is still on the loose. Apparently, he's selling the brass for scrap. Plastics, now more than ever. Mm-hmm. A deadly teenager has survived being bitten in the face by a shark. In his own bedroom, 14-year-old Sam Hawthorne was attacked when he sleepwalked into a long-dead souvenir shark hanging on his wall. 
He was left with the creature embedded in his cheek and blood pouring from a wound. His mother, Sarah, was awoken by her son's screams, but arrived too late to fend off the holiday souvenir. Let me understand this. He really was attacked by a land shark. Yes. That's genius. Uh, the shark must have been embedded in Sam's cheek for about 15 minutes, and he was in a lot of pain. Uh, Sam, who uh, escaped with uh, just a small scar, added, It was the most frightening experience of my life. Well, Woodley goes to the Oregon Zoo and is attacked by a peacock. A new book shows that uh, the German occupation of France encourages sexual liberation of women and has shocked the country still struggling to come to terms with its troubled past. Apparently, Parisian ladies enjoy themselves immensely under the occupation by the Nazis. Uh, the book description of uh, life in Paris during that time is one big party. It's a taboo subject, a story nobody wants to hear. It may hurt our national pride, but the women of Paris enjoyed the Nazi soldiers. Wait, the I... young blonde <laughs> barbarians. What are we talking about? What? What? What do you mean women of Paris enjoyed Nazi soldiers? They did, according to the In real book. life? Yes. Not in the movie? No. I thought we were somehow talking about Indiana Jones again. No. This is about the women of Paris. Who love Nazis? Who love Nazis. Yes. When, oh, when okay. they had taken over uh, Paris. Okay. They, uh, they love the young blonde barbarians who found uh, French women to be very attractive. Uh, coal winters, when coal was in short supply and a curfew between 11 and 5, also encouraged sexual activity. As a result, the birth weight shot up in 1942, even though 2 million men were locked away in prison camps. Yeah, I'm sure it was... Sure was the most consensual kind of love, too. Hi, I'm occupying, I'm occupying your city. Spread them. All right, whatever. All a right. pair of teenage car thieves ended up calling the police for help after they were cornered by a herd of wild boar. Uh, these two 18-year-olds had abandoned the stolen car, ran into a forest after being chased uh, by the pigs. They managed to lose uh, cops trailing them and planned to wait until the next morning, but they were charged by a herd of wild boar. They climbed up the tree, but the animals would not go away, and eventually they had to call police. They were immediately arrested and charged with theft. They were petrified by the wild pigs. They decided arrest was better than being eaten by pigs. That's true enough, Tim Riley. That's one to grow on. Uh, one young shopper at Walmart in West Virginia had to watch out for more than falling prices. A 12-year-old girl picked up a seedless watermelon from a bin uh, and was attacked by an inch-long scorpion. Apparently yeah. stowed away in a shipment of these watermelons from Mexico. This is what happens when you don't buy American. Megan Templeton of Boresville was taken to a hospital as a precaution, but later released. Her father, Willie, said the pain was a little worse than the bee sting. He initially didn't believe his daughter when she said she was stung by a scorpion, but he saw the uh, critter scurry under a box. It has been captured by Walmart employees. Nearly 12,000 kinds of scorpions are not dangerous to humans. Uh, the director for international affairs of Walmart said one store employee believed the problem was from a single shipment of watermelons from Mexico. We're very concerned, but this is very rare. So Can't grow our own watermelons. Is that the kind of country this has become? Apparently so. I don't even recognize this America anymore, Tim Riley. It's because of NAFTA. That's right. All right. Uh, well, speaking of scorpions, let's dovetail back to Indiana Jones uh, for a second, because there's that moment where Shia is bitten by a scorpion and whatever. So I was watching Temple of Doom this weekend, and my goal was to watch the entire like the other three films. Is it when, the, when you're not watching Family Guy? When I'm not watching Family Guy. Is it when you, it's four movies? Uh, my wife accused me of making up the word quadrilogy this weekend. Quadrilogy? Yeah. And she accused me of like making that word up. Because uh, I said, well, I'm going to try to watch the whole quadrilogy in one week. And she said, that's not a real word. And I said, well, what would you call it? And she said, I don't know, but you're making that up. So the question was, was I sort of coining a word or is that an extant word? I don't really care that much. So I saw Crystal Skull on Thursday. I watched 
uh, I just watched Raiders last week, which was that that was my other mistake because I watched Raiders like a few days before I watched Crystal Skull. Mm -hmm. That was really not the smartest thing to have done. Uh, so I watched Raiders, then Crystal Skull. I meant to watch Last Crusade, and I, and I didn't, but I did watch Temple of Doom this weekend. And Temple of Doom is... This is like the one week we can talk about this without just it being pointless. It, it holds up in some ways, is better than you remember in some ways, and is much, much, much worse than you remember in other ways. You know, all the stuff in the Temple of Doom that's good is the all it, all those moments when they're in the underground death cults chamber, and the guy Molama or whatever his name is is like pulling pulling hearts out uh, for Kali. All that stuff is great. All of the stuff, you know, and the the, the kids short round is actually not nearly as bad as I remembered. I sort of was afraid because that was the kind of cute little kid syndrome uh, when they paired Indiana Jones with the the adorable little little Moppet. Uh, and I was sort of afraid that that would be terrible. And actually, Short Round is not bad at all in Temple of Doom. He's actually what I would say he might actually be the, the lone exception that proves the rule about kid sidekicks because he's fine. You know what is terrible in Temple of Doom is Kate Capshaw. Every single goddamn moment that Kate Capshaw is on the screen in, in oh, Temple sorry, of Doom. I thought you were still talking about uh, the Kingdom of the Crystal No, Skull. no. In, in Temple of Doom, every moment that Kate Capshaw is on the screen, you want to saw off your own ears so that you don't have to hear her talking anymore. It's just terrible. Just abysmal. The only thing I like about her in that movie is just the, the anything goes thing in the beginning. That's the thing. That, that, that's her sole good moment. That and the fact that she's always wearing something exceptionally low cut. That's mm -hmm. it. That is the, 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 her sole redeeming oh, it's features. It's so annoying. And her putting perfume on the elephant. Yeah. And, like, and, just, and she's constantly just whining and carping and to the point that you know I, I don't know what my reaction was as a kid but even as an adult you're just like f her just leave her behind i mean just you know let her fend for herself well some of the people i was with uh well nobody liked it except for me by the way right the three other people and uh but they're like saying you know how it was kind of far-fetched and stuff but i'm like temple of doom has a guy who rips people's hearts out you know through their chests so like magically yeah. and like it's just, it's silly. I mean, you, know, you have to accept that paranormal comes with Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just the way it is. And when people gripe about aliens and stuff, I mean, I, I could see it. I don't understand how that wouldn't go hand in hand with an Indiana Jones I film. mean, it's no different than, than a radio that lets you talk to God, which is the first we did Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm -hmm. you know, where uh, Jones, the Ark is a transmitter. It's a radio for talking. And then you open it and the Spirit of God comes out and explodes the heads of Nazis. I did love that part during the chase scene, though, in the warehouse when they're knocking around the boxes and they knock over one of the boxes and you can see the Ark of the Covenant. I suppose. I that mean, was really cool. That, and you know it. Uh, I feel, see, but that was the moment where I felt kind of pandered to. Like, I'm like... That was the when the, when they're and this is not a, a secret because this is in the trailers. All the trailers have shown this where they're having a car chase inside that Ark of the Covenant warehouse. See, that was where I was like, you know, dude, I'm in. To me, that shows Steven Spielberg not being confident in the film. It's like, dude, we're already here. You don't need to pander to us by showing us that you're gonna, you know, by putting the Ark of the Covenant. Like I felt that he didn't need that. I thought that that was. I felt that was a little desperate of him. He's like, hey, remember how you liked that other movie I did? Look at this, look at this, Ark of the Covenant. I thought it was kind of neat because it was kind of a callback to that original movie because everyone's always wondered, you know, is that yeah. is the big warehouse, is it Area 51 or whatever it is? Yeah, uh, yeah. Roswell or whatever. Yeah. It was okay. I liked the opening uh, of that a lot. Temple of Doom had a great opening with the Anything Goes, uh, and then... Um, there was God, there's the worst moment in Temple of Doom. I meant to just sort of isolate it and bring it in, where it's like the seductive scene between um, between Indy and Willie. They're both pouting in their rooms. They're both pouting in their rooms, and it is like full on kiss me like you did by the lake on Naboo, where he where she's like, so what sort of things do you typically study? And he says something like, 
savage, primitive sexual practices. Oh, God, I forget. He's all, like, greasy and stuff. <laughs> and she's, really? How do you do that? Lots of hands-on training. I mean, it's like the worst porn dialogue you can oh, imagine. But one of the best parts of that movie, too, is, like, right near there. I'm so sorry, Tim. When um when the guy jumps out of the wall. Yeah. And he's all disguised in the wall. Yeah. That, that I thought that was so, so super cool. Temple of Doom, not bad. Uh, I'm kind of afraid to see Last Crusade now because I know that Last Crusade is sort of the closest to Crystal Skull. But, um... Anyway, I mean, so see it. I mean, it's a pop culture event. You really ought to go. I mean, it's, you know, it, it is your duty as an American uh, to see the new Indiana Jones film. That's just the way it goes. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, man. This What's is you? Andrew. Hey, man. Hey, dude. So I need to talk to you about Indiana Jones a little bit. Okay. I to totally agree with you. The Russians were, like, not scary in any way. Nobody's <laughs> as scary as a Nazi. Mm -hmm. No, they're just boring. They just kind of show up, and they're like, yeah, we're, we're here, and we're going to bother you for a while, and then they, like, get away right. somehow. We are here but, to glower menacingly. Well, one thing I want to bring up to you is, uh, didn't uh, Indy and Sean Connery drink from the Holy Grail at the end of the Last Crusade? Therefore, uh, certain happening in the new movie would not be able to happen. Cause what men does that? No, because that only works as long as you don't leave. Uh, that only works as oh, long as step, you don't step past the seal. Yeah, it, it only works as long as you're there where the where the knight was guarding the Grail. Once you leave, and That's of course the whole and freaking a dry area where you can't do anything. You're stuck in there. Well, and, this, and this goes back to my one of my complaints about The Last Crusade, which is that and every geek you talk to, you tell them this and they, they agree. Last Crusade should have ended with Sean Connery taking the knight's place as the guardian of the grail. That's how it should have ended. Yeah, that would have been sick. Where with, with Indiana Jones, or, you know, with, the, with, what's his name, Henry Jones Sr., becoming an archaeological exhibit himself. He should have stayed behind and taken the knight's place. That would have been the best ending to that movie and to the series. Nah, he had to, he had to geek out with Marcus, dude. Yeah, I suppose. All right. Thanks, dude. Thank you. All right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, let's talk about... Whether or not women alone can make sex in the city a hit, can a pure chick flick become a hit? Yes, if it draws a diverse enough swath of female moviegoers for sex in the city, that will be the big question. Nerd. There are indications that the film, which opens Friday, is attracting a lot of interest from women of all ages, not just the age of the four leading actresses, who range from their early 40s to just over 50. We can't remember the last time a movie has created so much anticipation among female moviegoers in their 20s and 40s. As a spokesman for Fandango, the online movie people. So we'll find out. Fandango is the largest online... Well, you know a lot. I love Fandango. I love the talking... I love Fandango. I love the, the talking, talking paper, paper bags. bags. Sometimes oh, we go clubbing. <laughs> I know that I'm a guy right That's now. That's the best part of going to the movies. Right. I think seeing the Fandango bags. You know the best, the best part? You made, you made the weirdest statement the other night. I don't know if you remember saying this. You said the weirdest, like, most surreal thing the other night when we were at Indiana Jones. Well, I tried. And we never followed up on it because there's no explanation that would ever put any sense to it. So Court and Fat Boy and Chris Paddock and I and Tim are all sitting there. We're kind of standing off to the side. We're getting ready. To, we're going to go up and do our little dog and pony show before Indiana Jones. But, but you know, the commercial, the 20 or whatever it is is playing. And it's Fandango paper bags are talking. And, and Tim says... I love that Fandango paper bag. It's just like being at home. Which, like, and no, I'm not asking you to explain it because there's like no. Well, yeah, I think it's comfort food for the senses. <laughs> but I mean, what does it even mean? It's just like being at home. It's a paper bag. <laughs> I think it's only it's on in your home. Talking paper bags <laughs> in your house. I mean, I prefer that over the PSAs. We're joining the service. Oh, oh my god! Oh, no, I mean, really? my, my my favorite Those one is awesome. for the National Guard where they show these parrots on the farm in this kitchen with no pictures on the wall. You mean the National Guard, one of our fine sponsors? Yes, okay. one of those. 
And uh, uh, apparently, these people like have no furniture or anything on their walls, <laughs> and they're wondering why their son wants to go away. <laughs> why would you ever want to leave the sweet bosom of your family? It's just like a bare room. I mean, it looks like something out of the wall. Just swinging light bulb in the center of the... I, I mean, I would imagine that there are some modern conveniences in farm homes, <laughs> and they don't have to go back to the 1930s <laughs> to show why somebody would want to leave the farm. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So, so given that, I prefer the Pandango paper bag. So just sitting there like in Grapes of Wrath, like, so, Tom Joad, why do you want to, you know, and it's all dad eating a dirt sandwich. And, and the mother looks like Tanya Harding. <laughs> and, and there's this good-looking kid. And, and it's like, this can't be part of the same gene pool <laughs> as the people sitting here wondering why he wants to leave. What can you get in the outside world you can't get here in Lafayette? Yeah. Um, well, that was my take on it. Okay. Perhaps it was a bit far-fetched no, it's just for that time of the morning. No, it's just it's just the observation that the talking bag, it's just like being at home. <laughs> um, but, you know, the you know the talking bag thing I like the most is when they're doing the Bollywood uh, thing. Yeah. And so they're like, you know, they show, and so it's like the Bollywood, like the Indian bag, Indian bag girl, <laughs> but, the, but the paper bag that's like an Indian singer. And she's like, you know, and she's singing, she's singing some song in, here's a dumb question, is it Indian? Is that the name of the language? No, Indians have several languages. So, like in Bollywood, what language is that? Oh, I, oh, well, you're talking about India. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm an ugly American. I don't know. Anyway, so she's singing, though, in like a Bollywood language, and the subtitles are like, my early tickets are like a golden harvest. <laughs> I mean, that's just, they really are great commercials. And you know what? And I use Fandango because of them. I, and why use Fandango? Because of the convenience, Rick, the convenience. As do I, Sarah. As do I. Aaron sent me a sounder from the Temple of Doom. Really? Mm-hmm. See you. Uh, wait. Oh, what, what does it? Uh, what does it say? See you in hell, Molaram, or whatever the hell. I don't even remember. Did you want me to play? Yes. It? Yes, <laughs> I do. Welcome to a Fantasy Island. Hello. <laughs> Oh, her voice. Let her go, Molaram. You are in a position unsuitable to give orders. Yeah. Watch your back! He's a great villain. He really oh, is. Oh, yeah, he's scary. You want the stones? Let him go! Let her go! <laughs> Drop them, Dr. Jones! They will be found! You won't! <laughs> Get now! Behind you! This is where they're on that rope bridge? Yeah. yeah. And there's these like hacks of the bridge with the with the machete. Which is still great, man. You watch that now, and it's still I really saw good. I that scene like a few days ago. And yeah. It's amazing. It's fantastic. I will say this, too. Of all of the Indiana Jones films, Temple of Doom is the one that feels the most to me, based on what I've seen of them anyway, of those old 1930s serials. It's the one that has the most retro feel to it. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah. Did you notice in the new movie, too, that he wasn't called Dr. Jones anymore? He was Professor Jones. I know. It, it was so weird when they kept saying Professor Jones. I'm like, what happened to Dr. Jones? We'll do an, we'll do an Indiana Jones Instapol here in a while. Here's Tim Riley. Well, Indiana Jones earned $311 million worldwide. Did he discover gold at the box office, Tim? Yes, he did. $151 million in the U.S. and Canada, $160 million overseas. It was the, the second biggest memorial... What was that? The second biggest... <laughs> me. I'm sorry. I probably... oh. Sorry. Well, it went that online. Was really gross. It really was. 
You have right. to listen online for that one. Uh, Paramount Pictures estimate. It was the second biggest <laughs> Memorial Day weekend opening ever, only behind Pirates of the Caribbean at the World's End, which made $153 million domestically. Uh, more than a third of the domestic audience was made up of parents and children. Yeah. Adults really drove the opening, though. This is one of the, their favorite franchises, and they couldn't wait. Well, you know, when, uh, when you and I were at the, uh, the premiere the other night, I did that thing in one of the theaters where there were two theaters full. We had a lot of them. So we want to thank everybody who came out. We actually filled two theaters. And I said that one of them, I said, how many people here are seeing an Indiana Jones film on the big screen for the first time? And like 80% of the audience had never seen Indiana Jones on the big screen. So it was, you know, one of those things where the sort of legend precedes it. It cost $185 million to make. I will also say this. Here's the other thing about, about Crystal Skull. And it, people who are, I got a guy, not Indiana Jones. It's the biggest movie in America, the biggest movie of uh, the last few years. You just have to be okay with that. I mean, seriously, and it opened this last weekend. You're just going to have to be okay with us talking Indiana Jones. Um, the other thing is that uh, my, that if you watch, especially Temple of Doom, which I know is a prequel, but if you watch Temple of Doom, you realize that opening scene where he's sitting in the Asian restaurant and he's got, like, the guy's ashes and he's trading him for the diamond or whatever. And he's basically playing the same character as when he plays Han Solo. He's just he's a badass, and he's a badass again in Raiders of the Lost Ark, and he's kind of a badass in, in Last Crusade. The problem with Crystal Skull is they just, I mean, they only had two modes. They had like, uh, you know, he's like a feeble old guy mode where he's talking about, well, it's not as easy as it used to be, and I'm old and wrinkly. They had that, and then they then they just had. Like the rest of the movie where Indiana Jones almost seemed like an observer to things happening around him. Like he didn't even seem to be doing a whole lot. It's like stuff would happen and he would react or or say or or yell, jump out of the way. Like, you know, that he didn't seem to be doing much. And I know that he the character has aged and everything, but there's no rules that you can't be a badass when you're 60. I mean, if you're Indiana Jones, he could have been sort of a cantankerous badass. And I just felt like they lost the kind of the thread uh, of the character. So. Yeah, what can you do? All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. That, by the way, and that Jeep chase in Crystal Skull is all right if you ignore the fact that it's basically like a shot-for-shot clone of the mine uh, car race it's in Temple exactly of Doom. Exactly the same thing. And come on, like with the with the plants that, keep, that kept hitting Shia LaBeouf yeah. on the crotch. It's oh like, my balls! Oh my balls! Oh my balls! Yeah. I was like waiting for it to end, and it's just like no. the, it just never did. Never, never ended. And then came the monkeys. Here's Tim Riley. My other question is. Where do they get gas out there? They're continually going on chases, driving all over the place. That's a really good question. Where do they get gas for those vehicles? And there's no gas cans on the vehicles. There's no gas station. Nobody stops the gas up. Okay, that's they a really... They forever. That's a really, really good question. That's what I thought about all through that movie. I didn't think about that, but now I will. Okay, since we're, since we're now just going to... Since we're just doing this... Mm. Oh, but that's... Aaron pointed this out, and I, I had saw that this... I saw that. I saw that this weekend. Um, that we, at the beginning of Temple of Doom, the Asian bar they're in is the Club Obi-Wan, which is, which is great. Oh. Um, but, um, okay, here's another thing about... And again, all this is being... All, all this said, it's not a terrible film, but there are things about it I really didn't care for. Here's another thing I could have uh, done without in Crystal Skull. Because it's an Indiana Jones film, what is one of the things you know will happen? There will be creepy, crawly things. Because there always are. Every Indiana Jones film has a bunch of creepy, crawly things that are scary and icky and slimy. Thanks. Temple of Doom has probably the best creepy insect scene ever, which is when they're in the room with the spikes lowering, and Willie has to reach into that hole in the wall, and there are those... I don't even know what that is. huge like centipede, they are. But, you know, tiny thing. The, you, I, you know, and those big... Aft up hell insect creature things in there that are crawling all over. Oh man, it freaks me out even to talk about oh, it now. Oh, and I'm Texas sized ants. Yeah, and I'm 35 and it freaks me out. But you know, 
I don't know what those creatures are that are crawling all over Kate Capshaw's hand, but you know what? I know they're real. Mm -hmm. I know they're real insects. Uh, that they found on some insect farm, and they put them in the movie. Well, they're trained. And you know what? I know that those creatures in Crystal Skull are CGI. So that huge, creepy, crawly insect scene that happens toward the end, at no I'm point... I'm not even remembering that scene right now. You know, the... Um, Come on, spoil it. The... Uh, I have to write it down. Why am I blanking out? These. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those. those look so fake. Yeah. Yeah, they're unbelievably fake looking. And I know it's a movie, but... You and know, it kind of reminded me of The Mummy. Yeah, it, well, that's what Court said. He's like, Mummy Returns. Yep. But, you know, Temple, in Temple of Doom, uh, which was made 25 years ago, you know what? Uh, they found a way to do convincing insects because they got lots of real creepy insects to cover somebody in. And your eye can tell the difference. You can tell when it's real. And just putting a whole lot of something that's badly done on the screen doesn't... I'd rather have a few special effects that are done well than, like, a whole screen full of a special effect that's done badly. Mm -hmm. And in Crystal Skull, so many of the special effects were just done badly. And and this is, and I keep saying this, and people probably not believe me, but these are also not spoilers. You know what I don't need? I don't need cute CGI like prairie dogs reacting comically to everything that happens on the screen. Spare me. Jesus. The, um, the scene at the beginning with the... Um... But the big thing that happens, that was really cool. I did not expect to see, like, the, the town. Oh, right, oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah, was really yeah. creepy and cool. I call a little BS on his survival technique, yeah. but, you know, what are you going to do? But that was a cool little gimmick, I thought, that, that they worked. had there. Yeah. It reminded me of an exhibit at a local museum not too long ago. That's right, Tim Riley. Speaking of which, you've got to go to that museum of atomic testing the next time you're in Vegas. Don't forget to do that. I'm going in November. Okay, go. It's off of, um, uh, I forget, I forget exactly the street, but it's, um, uh, it's, you know, all, if you go to this trip, it's like off from the MGM. I think it's off Tropicana. Uh, Is it accessible with public transportation? Uh, I believe so, but it's not that far off this trip. I think it's off Koval or Tropicana, one of the streets, the Museum of Atomic Testing. It's like 12 bucks to get in, worth every penny. All right, I'll so, do that. Yeah, I strongly recommend it. All right, uh, here's Tim Riley. We'll take a break. We'll come back after this. We'll do an Indiana Jones Instapol still to come. Um, Steve Kastenbaum on the top five. We'll do one more and then we'll break. Well, most rappers have their own entourage, but Bow Wow is joining with a famous TV crew. According to E! Online, the 21-year-old hip-hop star has signed on to appear in the upcoming fifth season of HBO's Entourage. His real name is Shad Moss. He's expected to play a stand-up comedian who is represented by Kevin Conley's character. The rapper hopes he can make acting the main focus of his career. Bow Wow says, quote, After 16 years in the music industry and six successful albums, I decided to... Channel my energy into something I'm very passionate about. He'd like to become the next Will Smith. You know what's interesting is that I, it, it seems like a lot of times uh, the rap career is like the stand-up comedy career. In that it's just a thing you do until it gets you famous enough that you can do something else. Because stand-up comics all do that, right? They go out on the road and, you know, it's like, no, I'm a comedian. It's in my blood. It's what I do. But they all just do it long enough to land a sitcom on ABC. Uh, you know, or to get like a, a series of bad movies opposite Jessica Simpson, and then they don't do stand-up anymore. So rapping a lot of times seems to be the same thing. It's like you rap long enough to get you a career, uh, you know, acting, and then you just sort of do that, which is which is fine. It's just sort of an, inter an interesting sort of stepping stone on the uh, on the uh, the entertainment ladder. All right, let's take a break here. We'll come back after this. Uh, calls around the corner. More Crystal Skull. We'll do an insta poll on that. Uh, top five coming up, and uh, CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastamov. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Anything goes. You 
望雨，柳秋茶，苦茶，美好情愫，雪山了红颜，你走一走。Anything goes， 我们光顾着学艺，能到草边，把尾巴偏，尾到梦我总是大度，日日为你破晓。Good to work with fair while long till I don't want to hunt to that song. You think we're bad? Anything goes. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Yes. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. It is gratifying to learn that she was so roundly irritating in this film that Kate Capshaw never really got cast in anything ever again. Ever, I don't recognize her from ever. anything. No, I think she was on an episode of The L Word playing somebody's like lesbian lover, but I think that's it. And, I, and you know that Steven Spielberg had to pull those strings, probably. So, yeah, I don't think she ever. Still on good terms. Oh, they're together. I mean, they're still. She and Spielberg are together, but this movie, I think, so damaged her. Her Kate Capshaw and Steven Spielberg are together. Yeah. Well, that was why she. That's why she's in every freaking scene uh, of Temple of Doom because he just couldn't bring himself to like, no, 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 it's genius. I'll just leave her in everything. Oh boy. Uh, that was the thing is I think they were just hooking up when they made Temple of Doom. And, of course, you know, so Steven Spielberg was totally blinded by the fact that he was, like, sticking it to her. He's like, I'll just keep her on screen all the time because everybody loves her as much as I do. And the answer is nobody loved Kate Capshaw as much as Steven Spielberg did. I mean, then she seemed irritating. She seems especially irritating now. I mean, she is like a living, walking, breathing, blonde Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. Uh, she really is. So, all right, uh, here's what's coming up. In just a moment, we'll do uh, Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull Instapol. Uh, we'll talk to Richie and find out how his weekend went. I'm guessing badly because he, every time I talk to him today, he sounds, he's doing like a live version of that Richie Bristol sounder. Like, how are you? You know, and so, um, what else? Uh, top five teenage moping artists and uh, so forth. This, however, is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Fox News can give it a Liz Crotter yesterday. Referred to Barack Obama as Osama and quit that both of them should be bumped off. Here's a clip from that. Well, uh, the vast right-wing conspiracy uh, blame uh, has been undermined by her evasions, by her outright uh, lies, if I may say, by her pandering, by her race-baiting. And now we have what uh, some are reading as a suggestion that somebody knock off Os uh, Osama, um, uh, Obama. Obama. <laughs> well, both, which we could. Well, well, you know, <laughs> talk about how you really feel. Hey, wait, the hum is back. Thank goodness. You know what? I and understand. I can hear the hum this time, and I think it might not be my hearing. I think it's my headphones. Uh -huh. That's the lie you tell yourself. No, the hum is everywhere. But it's good to have the hum. The hum is returned. Hello, hum. We've missed you. Or maybe you guys are messing with me and there really isn't a hum, and I'm just... Oh, there is no, there's a hum. Matt uh, Green, if you can hear us, the hum has returned. <gasps> I totally hear that. Did you switch headphones? No. Okay, so maybe your ears are just going in and out. Maybe your ears are blinking on and off. Yeah, the hum has returned stronger than ever. All right. Nothing can kill the hum. Uh, all right, so who is this idiot woman? Uh, Liz Trotter. And who is she? Uh, apparently, she works uh, for the Atlantic Constitution now and has worked for a couple of other papers, including the Chicago Senate. Well, she, uh, used, she used to. Or the Tribune and uh, another Washington paper. So, uh, a former Washington Times editor. Yeah. And so she says, what does she say again? She says something about knocking off both Osama and Obama. Yeah. Can you play that one more time? I can. It's gone. Oh. <laughs> well, I think I can play it, actually. Okay. I think I might have it over here. Hold on. Uh, Fox Obama. Here we go. This is so. This is uh, Liz Trotta, former, and we're not. That's not an East Coast accent. It's Trotta, C R O T T A, uh, former Washington Times editor, being interviewed by Eric Sean on 
Fox News. And now we have what uh, some are reading as a suggestion that somebody knock off Os Os Osama, um, uh, Obama. Obama. Well, both we, we could. But, uh, well, you know, <laughs> talk about how you really feel. Uh, but do you really think? Oh, she's going to get a visit from somebody dressed in black. Oh, she, yeah, she's yeah. trying to explain her slip of the tongue. Somebody's... I am so sorry about what happened yesterday oh, and the lame attempt at humor. I really just fell all over myself in Bye -bye. making it appear that I wished uh, Barack Obama harm or any other candidate Epic for that fail. matter. Yeah, no, that's yeah. A... There's no coming back no. from that. Sister. She's going to get a visit from the guys who speak into their sleeves. That's Little what she's going to get. Black bag. <laughs> Not so funny now, is it, funny man? Uh, she makes why she labored, but it was that uh, insincere joke. And now we have what uh, oh, some are reading as a suggestion that somebody knock off Os Os Osama, um, uh, Obama. Obama. <laughs> well, both we, we could. Talk about how you really feel. laughing all uh, right. Ha, ha, your career's over. All right, there you go. There's uh, there's that. Then there's uh, actor Sharon Stone raising some eyebrows with comments she made about the recent earthquake in China. She was upset with China for the way it treats the people of Tibet. In a red carpet interview, she pondered the idea of what goes around comes around. I've been just concerned about, oh, how should we deal with the Olympics? Because they're not being nice to the Dalai Lama, who's a good friend of mine. And then all this earthquake and all this stuff happened, and I thought, is that karma? When you're not nice, that the bad things happen to you? Oh, man. Uh, right. Stupid people need to keep their mouths shut. <laughs> no, we like stupid people here. We'd be out of a job. I mean, really. We have a whole nation full of them. <laughs> God. All right. Is she, is she still alive? <laughs> Apparently she, so. She just every year she just looks more and more withered and shrunken and hideous. I mean, she does. She does kind of look. Uh, she does kind of look like that preserved mummy they have down at Pier Fifty One or whatever that whatever that pier is in Seattle where they have all the crap. Well, to waste more money, we've landed on Mars again. I thought we've already done this on several occasions. No, but see, but I we thought, haven't wasted enough money. I thought the opposite. I thought we couldn't ever land on Mars because every time we did it, we just smashed the thing into the rocks. Well, this time it didn't happen. So I thought, you know what I mean? Uh, I uh, the because didn't the last time we tried to land something on Mars, it was like it was some boombox that cost five hundred million dollars. Yeah. But we did it incorrectly. <laughs> it just like went into the side of a mountain or something. <laughs> It's like it's like the, the entire the budget necessary to run several small countries, and we just whacked it into the side of a hill or something. All right, well, well we haven't made it. Okay. And instead of the red planet, it kind of looks dusty and gray. Uh -huh. Well, the launch was perfect. The cruise was as close to perfect as you can get, and entry, descent, and landing was more than I could have even dreamed of. So right now, everything is going picture perfect. Well, hooray. Uh, that's Larry from the uh, JPL lab in uh, Pasadena. Say, Thanks, what Larry. is this uh, mission all about anyway? What we're doing with Phoenix, Phoenix is actually a mission that's actually reacting to a discovery that was made by the Mars Odyssey spacecraft, which is the accessibility of water ice at a lower latitude on Mars. Of course. Of course. No, that was my suspicion all along. That's what I yeah. thought. Uh, Utah Governor John Huntsman says it's time for the state to dump the private club membership law. Now, apparently... Utah is the only state in the union that requires all people entering a bar to fill out an application. It's true. And pay a membership fee just yes. to have a drink. Yes. It means that your first drink will cost $10. Uh-huh. And a lot of uh, convention goers and tourists aren't willing to pay that sort of price. Uh, the membership is not valid at any other bar, so I guess you go from bar to bar. And it sucks. It's, it's like the worst thing ever. I mean, if you drink in Utah, uh, it's, it's just a miserable experience because you have to go to a state-run liquor store to buy anything, basically, you know, wine, whatever. Uh, you know, the beer is this weak-ass beer. You can't. I mean, it's very difficult to get anything of a higher uh, alcohol level. And, yeah, every time you go to a bar, the, the way they get around the alcohol law is that bars aren't, quote, open to the public. Every bar is a private club, and you have to have a membership.
membership to it. And, yeah, the first time you walk into any bar, you have to buy a membership, which costs $5. And that means, and that's just that's just to get you in the door and to drink. And so, yeah, the first time you buy a drink in a bar in Utah, it costs you 10 bucks, And you have to do it for every bar you go to. Utah is a state in transition, and it has a new economy. It embraces changes and diversity. Who is saying that? Uh, the governor, That's Mr. Huntsman. He said the state is attracting more uh, diversified people. It does serve as a perception problem, and I think it's about time we address it. And I think if we do it legislatively, it would preempt an initiative, which is time-consuming, it's costly. And if we can do it legislatively and get it done within the next year, I think that would be a you know, preferred outcome. Back to family guy thing. So, it sounds like he's uh, going to Mars. I was, what we're doing. I was going to say he sounds like Adam West. Is actually a mission that's actually reacting I, uh, to a discovery that was made by the Mars Odyssey spacecraft, which is the accessibility of water ice at a lower latitude on Mars. The best thing about Adam West on Family Guy is how he's they the don't. the greatest thing ever. And how they don't give him a character. He's just Adam West. He's just I Adam, am there, Adam West. Have you seen the one where he's trying to make his name out of a light, right? No. And he runs out of lights, and so he's just like. Adam Wee. Am I Adam Wee? <laughs> Hi, I'm Adam Wee. I've only seen the fourth season, so I'm moving on to the fifth season oh, now. I'm so... going to watch them sort of sporadically, depending on who lends them to me. Um, but uh, there's the great moment where he's standing He's standing at the window. <coughs> uh, he's standing at the window. There's like an angry mob, and somebody throws a, a rock, and it hits him in the face. And he looks up, and he touches his face, and he brings it down, and there's blood on his head. He goes, oh, my God, I'm a tomato. <laughs> which, is, which just makes no sense at all. And you've got to love him. But his genius. His character, because he plays himself, and he's just mocking himself the entire time. Well, what else are you going to do when you're Adam West? I mean, if you ever really want to be sad, if you ever want to make yourself uh, sort of depressed, read Adam West's like, Wikipedia entry. Read his biography about his many, 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 many dozens of attempts to try to get a career after Batman, which aired for, which was canceled 40 years ago. I mean, it wasn't even on the air. It was canceled more than four decades ago. And, you know, it's a, that, that is just that is the feeble acorn from which he keeps trying to make a tree. And you do, when I watch something like Family Guy, where he has a pretty frequently recurring role, you have to figure that it's just like the Adam West Charity Fund. I mean, that's the thing where, like, mm. look, uh, we can't let him be homeless, so let's give him a job somewhere. Anybody? South Park, Family Guy, something he can do from home, Simpsons, anything. And finally, Seth MacFarlane was like, fine, I'll give him a job. You know, and it's just... Is somebody banding together to make sure that Adam West doesn't have to sell his blood? Did you know that Adam West was born in Walla Walla, Washington? Yes, I did, Sarah I did Dillon. not know that. I did know that. All right, here's Tim Riley, and then we'll do an Indiana Jones Instapol. Well, how's Ted Kennedy doing today, you ask? Uh, much better <laughs> than his son, uh, Congressman uh, Patrick uh, Kennedy. Wait, hold on. All we Wait. know in our family is that whenever doctors give us terrible news, uh, we don't believe it. We just go uh, and fight it. That's the way the Kennedys are. We've managed to defy the odds every single time, so we're going to work to try to do that again. So we feel very much that's the way we've done it in our family, and that's the way we're going to keep doing it. Any more Kennedy news? That's it for now. Oh, come on. Not even one more. Things appear to be favorable. No, only two sound bites per day from the Kennedy compound. All right, okay. Well, I'll be ready in the future. Hold on. Let me. I'm going to file this away. Bank five. I'm going to make sure that I have this This always ready. There we go. All right. There we go. Okay, it's ready anytime we need it now, Tim. Don't you worry. Well, truck drivers are mounting a protest of rising fuel prices in Britain where they're already high enough. Uh, this demonstrator says in London this is the first time he's protested. We were here a month ago. And the fuel's gone up 35 pence a gallon. 
alone just in the last month, which we can't sustain, you know. Our margins are going to zero or below if we're not really efficient. The, the increase we're having to sort of try and absorb and try and pass it on to customers, and it's hard because uh, your customers aren't, you know, they're struggling as well to survive. Obviously, costs are going up. Why are we talking about... going up, electric's going up, you know, their prices Grocery are Grocery customers in England. So <laughs> Who cares? This is the price of petrol. Of, uh, reducing their costs. For the minute, we're having to pass, try and pass it on. We do have an international audience. Do we? Well, I guess we have people in Kuwait. And maybe in the... We should actually do that someday. So it's fine to find people the, in Australia? Try to find the listener that's the furthest away. We have, listen, uh, we have uh, Puerto Rico, New Zealand, Kuwait, Iraq, Afghanistan, Australia... Um, we need a world map that we can put little pins in. That's a great idea. Well, we had that Google map we were doing for a while that showed sort of the spread of the oh, show. Oh, yeah, the David name? Yeah, but I don't even know if that's if that's still being updated. I kind of quit looking at it. Um, Rick, this is the first powered Mars landing since the 70s. The rovers that are there now were coated in airbags, so they just bounced to a stop. So why did they send them? I, I don't know. He says this one used rockets to slow down. Who cares? Uh, he, uh, he says, <laughs> then he says, actually... A huge portion of your listeners are actually interested in the space program, you tool. At least attempt to feign interest. Well, I did that. I feigned interest, sort of badly, but I did it. Uh, he said, we've had to put up with more family guy talk than reasonable. You can at least talk <laughs> about the space program. All right, I just have nothing to say about the space program. Let's do one more, and then we'll do the Instapol. Isn't it fascinating? They, yeah. they went all the way there? It, it is. Uh, and they found a rock sitting That's in some amazing. dirt. Wow. That's I mean, I mean, that looks like a rock to me. And let me ask you and, this. And several other smaller rocks surrounding that one and rock. Speaking... Now, why would somebody be on the warm line? Richie, who's on the warm line? I mean, I don't even... Is it under... Steve? Well, it can't be Steve. Well, Steve isn't supposed to call for 15 minutes. At 10 after. Let me just stare at the screen. <whistles> it's Steve Kastenbaum. Okay, well, I guess we'll do that then, because uh, Steve Kastenbaum is here. So we'll, we'll welcome him and stuff. Oh, and then I guess Scott Daly's been on for like an hour. Uh, so I guess we're not looking at the call bank ever. Uh, I guess my point was going to be this, my final point about the space program. In some sort of vague attempt to placate the people who are interested in this. Well, we beat the Russians. Might as well give up. Well, you know, what I don't understand about the space program program is this. Oh, the hum is gone again. What I don't understand about the space program is this. Every time we go to Mars... Every time? Every time. Because we apparently have gone to Mars a bunch. But isn't it the same thing? Every time we go to Mars, it's a whole lot of... Somebody says, well, no, no, no. We found evidence now that there may have once been circumstances that might have supported life. But haven't they made that discovery like about nine different times? I guess so. It seems like, they, I mean, about once every two years, there's some story that comes up with it. Well, we found some microscopic rock that we think indicates that Mars might have once been hospitable to the tiniest, most simplistic forms of life. But it's like they keep re-unveiling that discovery about every 18 months or so. People love Mars. I mean, and will someone, I mean, just wake me when you know. All right, uh, all right let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. Oh, I was trying to find the it? theme. Should I wait? Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN radio correspondent and man about town, fashionably attired, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How did you know I was wearing a tie today? That's what I do. This should be my new theme song, at least for this week. Okay. You All said right. it from your mouth to God's ear. All right. Because this is Sex and the City Week in New York. And so, now, is it officially Sex and the City Week, or is that just sort of like an ad hoc kind of thing you've made up? Apparently, it's the case, because tonight is this red carpet uh, advanced screening. No, 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 Steve. Yes? Steve, what color is the carpet, Steve? Red, isn't it? Aren't they calling it the pink carpet? Oh, well. they were. 
I don't know about that. That's a really good question. The, 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 the email that went out said red carpet, you know, for the press to check in. All right. But it is possible that it's actually pink. So this is, okay, so you, uh, here's a dumb question. So the movie, obviously, so it takes place in New York, but I mean, it's, forgive my ignorance, but it's, a, it's like a big, big deal, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge deal there. Well, apparently it's a huge deal for women. I mean, there's a tour bus, there's a tour company that does this on-site locations tours for different, you know, television shows and movies uh, that are filmed and taped in New York. And, and the Sex in the City one is hugely popular. Several times a day, two buses leave uh, the southeast corner of Central Park and take women. I mean, it's open to men, but let's be honest, there are only women on this bus. Right. Going from site to site where uh, Sex in the City uh, has been uh, filmed or, or sites that have been featured in the show. And, and then, you know, there's a comedic actress who's the tour guide on the buses. And, you know, they make little jokes and talk about different scenes. Uh, and I rode the bus <laughs> for a couple of hours. Let me ask you this. On a scale of 1 to 10, how emasculating do you find that experience to be? <sighs> i got to tell you this. Did you feel the need to point that to everybody? But I'm only doing this because I'm, uh, I'm a reporter. I, I have to be here. The only guys on the bus were reporters and camera crews. That was yeah. it. Yep. But, 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 and I, and, and I have to give you this caveat. If you're coming to New York and you're a single guy and you'd like to meet some women for some fun while you're in New York, <laughs> go on the Sex and the City tour bus. I can totally That's see that. advice. It really is. You're the only single guy on the bus if you go. And, and they stop at places like the Pleasure Chest, which is a sex toy shop that was featured in an episode. So, you know... You get my drift here. Yes, I do. I think I've cracked your code, Steve Kastenbaum. <laughs> so, all right. So now, uh, so is this now? Are you going to be going to the? Are you going to be going to the actual unveiling, the screening of the film? I'm I'm going to be out there for the red carpet, and then afterwards, I'm going to talk to these women who went to see the movie. You know, there are these these package deals for this week that included tickets to the Radio City Music Hall screening. Some women paid like thousands of dollars to have a Sex and the City week. From the look on Sarah's face, I'm assuming that if she had the time and money, she would be one of those women. I would. I'm going to go see it tonight, Steve Kastamom. Are you going to, are, so you'll be on the carpet because the, the thing I'm going to see is going to be broadcasting, like they're going to be showing the carpet in New York live from like uh, 7 to 7.30 our time. And are you going to be drinking martinis and stuff? No, I don't think it's not a drinking theater, but I can make it one. But at the, the, but the theater... Holiday. So at the theater where she's going to be seeing this, they're going to be doing a little bit of a simulcast, and they're going to be showing via satellite the red carpet shot in New so I'm York. I'm going to be looking for you. Uh, well, keep your eye out. It, it's it's so hard to even get on the red carpet for this thing. It's huge. I kid you not. And then on and then on Friday is the nationwide opening, and I'm told that theaters are already sold out. That women are making a night of this. You know, you go out for martinis with the girls, and then you go see Sex in the City. Huge. That's what I'm doing with about 14 friends on the Can I just tell you right now, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm failing here because I feel like I'm supposed to be making more sort of whimsical observations, but I just I'm in such foreign territory. I just have no idea what to even what to even opine about this. Uh, except to say, uh, hey, yeah, how about them how about them girls and uh, let's all you're have a like, cosmo. You're like you're like most of the men in the US who can't wait for this week to be over. It's not that I even can wait for it to be over because I mean it is you know whatever. I mean I'm I'm no one to point fingers. I stood in line like a retard to watch Indiana Jones and the, the Crystal Skull at midnight. So I mean, you know who am I to who am I to throw stones? I'm just excited that this is coming out that I get to get this out of the way so that I can just start getting excited again for Batman. And that's yeah. And the, and the thing is it's not that I'm I'm not you know and I'm not one of those guys that's like you know, like I don't get myself all angry about sex in this city like I somehow you know like it's somehow an affront to me. I just 
I just don't care. It's just, you know what I mean? It's like it's like a yeah. language I can't quite speak. It's I understand. Sort, it is sort of like a, I think it is sort of a an entertainment color blindness. Uh, you know, it's like when they show you that circle with the dots and they go, Steve, do you see a number? And then you're, everybody else sees a three and you just see like a big splotch of color. That's kind of what it is here. Like, I just, uh, you know, I just don't, I don't get it. But, I, you know, but I'm not supposed to get it. So I suppose that's, is Mrs. Castamom uh, excited? She is not into this show at all. She is not. Uh, she she's the atypical woman in New York. I'll tell you that. She's not like uh, most other women in New York. She's not into this at all. And she's very. I guess she could be a character though, because she's very career driven. And 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 the characters are career driven, right? And, and some of them in Sex in the City. Yeah, sure. Well, let me ask you this. So, Sarah, since we've got Steve here, is there anything Steve ought to be asking the women of New York in terms of what they expect from the film? See, we can help Steve to really pass himself off as knowing more than he does. What would you, what what he, should he be asking the women as they prepare to see this film? I don't even know. I don't. I... Like, what do they what do they want to see resolved? What are they most what are they most hoping to see? What are they most dreading to see in the movie? Yeah, I guess if everyone's excited about the um, the Big and Carrie wedding, although it doesn't look like that's going to happen, um, if they think that Steve actually did cheat on Miranda. Um, Me? Oh, <laughs> oh no. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. I just see um, I'm, I'm out of my depth here. I got nothing. I, yeah. yeah, I don't even know. Uh, I'm just I'm really nervous about Jennifer Hudson being in it because Oh yeah, they, so they've introduced uh, Jennifer Hudson of American Idol fame as what she's like a friend or something. Yeah. She's been added to the cast. Uh Well, I, I was going to say I went around to all these different locations where, you know, they they featured, you know, locations in episodes uh, uh, of the of the series, not in the movie. And just asked women, you know, is it a true representation of life for women in New York? And I got all sorts of funny responses to that. But my computer just got messed up, and they're all out of order. Act, you can act one out now in a female voice. Let me see if this is one of them. Hold on. It's just fabulous. It's just, like, very relatable. And, wow. like, have a good time with it while you watch it. So glad There I you go. Wait, I had one from, from the woman who works behind the counter at, at the sex toy shop. That was just really funny because I asked her, you know, mom representative... Uh, yeah, her mom's very proud of her. Yes. Um, we don't have. Here, oh, yeah, here it is. So I asked her, uh, you know, is it is it a, a very good portrayal of what life is like for women in New York? And she said, We don't have as many nice shoes or clothes, but we still love sex just as much. Well, there you go. And she's a real deep thinker. That one. You don't have as many clothes. You're in New York. Uh, whatever. All right. Well, Godspeed, Steve Kastenbaum, and uh, you know, may the forces be of good be with you as you as you as you wade through this tonight. I don't know what to make of it either. I'm just yeah. baffled myself. No, I, I feel I feel like to say more would just be treading into hackery. So uh, if you're on the clock tomorrow, we'll ask you how it all how it all turned out, though. I feel like Sarah should be on the red carpet today and, and holding the CNN mic. If only, I know, I, oh. if only you thought of that last week. We could have yeah. done like an exchange program okay, with her you know and Lisa. Could have, would have, should have stopped me. <laughs> That's just mean. No, me. I was trying to help. I'm saying we could have. How done does like, that help? Are you talking to me when I'm sitting here? An exchange me? program with you and Lisa. You know what I mean? That would have worked. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe next time. Maybe for the inevitable sequel. Okay, yeah. All right. Thank you, Steve. Bye-bye. There you go. I'm sorry. I was just saying. Yeah. I'm sorry. All right. Well, we might as well uh, just keep rolling here. Power through. So we'll do an Indiana Jones Insta poll on KCMD Portland, and then we'll label some bumpers today because we're way behind with that. So we'll do an Indiana Jones Insta poll, uh, and then we'll label some bump music. Won't that be fun? And then we'll come back uh, with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth, and then we'll do the top five uh, artists to accompany teenage moping. And I found that one that you asked me about. Excellent. Thank you. That was uh, uh, James and Big Jim both immediately came up with that. That's I would totally, totally. I would never have picked it, but once they said it, I went, oh, that totally makes sense. All right, let me find my Insta poll music. i got to go through and, and augment, you know, because I lost all of those beds when 
they wiped my computer here, so I'm gonna well, hold on. Let me. And that Dexter, Dexter, that Dexter bed needs to be. Um, there we go. All right, all right. We will now do an Insta poll on KCMD Portland. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. The question is: On a scale of one to ten, where do you put Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? On a scale of one to ten, where do you put Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, and because this is sort of an ad hoc Insta poll, uh, we will, uh, you know, we'll give you some, uh, if you want to say a few words about the movie or make other Indiana Jones observations, you can do that here as well. Uh, so, we'll so what are you going to, where are you going to give it? Uh, on a scale of one to ten. I, mean, I know mine. I'm going to put my number behind my, my hand. As an Indiana Jones film or as a movie, period? Like as an isolated film? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. What are you asking the people? I mean, I would say... As just as a movie, whether I'd want to watch it again or not, you know, as a standalone film, would I want to watch it again? On that scale, you know, like if the on the scale of, you know, when it comes on HBO and I'm sitting around on a Saturday, do I want to sit on the couch and watch it again? I give it probably a five and a half or a six. I'd, I'd give it a, yeah a four and a half. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe. I was kind of, you know, I was kind of tired and had nothing else to do. All right, uh, before we do that, let's uh, speak with our good friend Scott Daly. Happy birthday to you. Oh, well, thank you, sir. Sorry you had to hold for like an hour. That's your birthday present. Oh, that's okay. You know, I'm just waking up now, finally. How old are you today? My buzz is gone. I'm 38 today. (laughs) Uh, Well, it seems like just... Didn't you just... You're 38? I thought you just turned 37, like like just a couple months ago. About a year ago, yeah. Well, I guess... (laughs) Uh Uh, So what are you doing? Uh, How are you celebrating your birthday? I am drinking lots of beer and playing Warcraft. <laughs> please tell me that the people in World of Warcraft in your coven or clan or whatever, please tell you me know, that they are having like a like a, a virtual birthday party for you and someone like made a made some sort of a virtual computer cake. No, sadly, no, that's not the case. The people in your guild, do they know it's your birthday? Well yeah, I mean the only people in my guild are my best friend David. So Wait, so that's a, it's we, a two it, like eight characters. It's a two person guild? Pretty much, yeah. Well, that's just sad. And my son, my son is in it too. Aren't you supposed to? Isn't that guild supposed to be you and a bunch of like a whole bunch of people? Yeah, that means interacting with people on Warcraft. We don't want to do that. Well, uh, fair enough. All right. So, uh, how will you be? How will you be celebrating your birthday tonight? Um. Well, last night my lovely lady friend and I went out and had Kobe beef burgers at this great restaurant called the Maiden. So we had mojitos and Kobe beef burgers. They were delicious. And uh, tonight we're just going to hang out and, uh, you know, chill for a while. And it is your birthday, so you know what that means. It's Daddy's well, choice. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. Ew, don't also, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a line I stole from. I stole that line from Don Geronimo. He would always say that. Like when, like one night his girlfriend scratched the car, and she came home and she's like, I'm sorry, I dented the car. And he's like, Mike, you know what that means? It's Daddy's choice tonight. <laughs> so wrong. me is like the worst, best thing ever. Uh, yes, well, thank you again, Scott. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for tonight. Well, sir, I wanted to, I, I, the, another reason. I, the reason I did call really was a to remind you to be on your best behavior. You are representing Filmkeeper Radio. Absolutely. <laughs> but no, seriously. But number two, because Sarah's reviewing, seeing Sex in the City, she will be our special guest reviewer on this week's episode of Filmkeeper Radio as Excellent. well. Excellent. And that'll be oh, up yeah. uh, on Friday. That nah, should be up by Friday. Yeah. I would All right. Cool. Cool. So, All right. Well, and, ha- and finally, yes. Oh, the one more thing for the Insta poll. Uh, I, you know, I saw Indiana Jones again this weekend. I took my son to go see it for his birthday. And it's it's a lot better the second time around. And yeah. Tim yeah. said the same thing, and actually Chris Paddock from KUFO said that the second time around he enjoyed it more. I think probably because you sort of, I hate to say it, you lower your expectations the second time. You, you lower your expectations, and two, the whole surrealness of seeing you know Indiana Jones on the big screen after 19 years 
a sort of pass. Yeah, and you can sort of accept it for what it is. You, you can get yeah. past the weirdness. Yeah. Yeah, and my son, you know, was just glued to the screen the whole time. He loved it. So. All right. Excellent. Well, happy yeah. birthday, and uh, best to you and your lady friend tonight. We'll talk to you soon, brother. All right. Man. There Thank you go. Scott Daly. I find it funny that Scott tells me to be on my best behavior. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but that is ironic. It is. Yeah, I'm sorry for being a gross over here. I uh, I haven't had a chance to go upstairs. Up That's the only I get to see the glorious. No, I got I got the bad allergies, so my whole head is just filled with you know. My whole head is all leaky. You're bad. making like the grossest sniffing. <laughs> oh. yeah. Yeah. All right, let's see here. What are we doing here? All right, so we're doing it. So we're doing it do, Are we doing it as a movie? Yes. Okay. As a standalone film on its own merits, where do you place Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull 1 to 10? I'd go with a, a solid 5, then. Solid 5. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. The proper on its... title would have been Indiana Jones in the suburb of the polycarbonate skull, which weighs 19 ounces. Uh-huh. Just, uh, did you notice how that skull, they didn't even bother to try to make it look heavy? Well, it didn't oh, look, yeah. it looked like plastic filled with saran wrap. I mean, that's the thing. It was, it's, it's a te- that's the best that special effects wizard Stan Winston can come up with. He's slipping. Jesus, it's terrible. So I'd say, except for my love of Harrison, which I, you know, have undying love for Harrison. Of course. I, I wish I'd taken the cash I, I spent and set it on fire and saved a couple hours. Good for you, sir. I was expecting a 3.8 because of your fine prepare, preparation. Out of 10, and I give it a 3.0 out of 10. All right. Thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal suck. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Oh, it's me? Yes, it is, sir. Hello. Yeah, Scott, the spider guy. Uh-huh. And um, given the uh, bathroom review, it's telling that everyone waited to the end of the movie to go to the bathroom, but everyone said, well, it's better than Temple of Doom. That is, well, that's the thing, is that when it finished, uh, it, everybody, uh, like, I actually, uh, I drank a bunch of coffee beforehand, and about halfway through, I was like, I had to use the restroom, and then I didn't. I mean, I waited until the very end. I didn't want to miss anything. Uh, but also, at the end, we all kind of sat out there, and everybody kind of, Court from KUFO really nailed it, though, when he said that when he saw it, it ended, and everybody kind of went... Well, okay, who wants to get lunch? And, like, no one really talked about the movie. They all just kind of were like, well, what should we do now? So, yeah, it was sort of a flat response for many people. Yeah, the Spielberg thing, every other movie is not as good as... Yes. Where do you... I like Star Wars, and um, that plus the knowing about bugs, the those giant-ass ants. So on the the classic 1 to 10 scale, sir, where do you rate it? They live in Africa, not... Okay, yes, 1 to 10, where do you rate it? I'll give it a 7. All right, thank thank you. you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. Greetings. Is this me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir. All righty. Well, I just saw it uh, yesterday, and uh, aside from having a pounding migraine that made me so sick, I actually had to leave the theater at the uh, last 10 minutes, which I guess was a good thing. Well, the last 10 minutes were just the most CGI-heavy of the yeah, entire that's film. Yeah, I was like, so, I mean, the oh, final, hey, Yeah, the final scene was nothing but green screen. Yeah. I mean... Uh, I'd give it about a six. And, uh, you know, in reference, earlier you had said that uh, your wife had had said you were just making up the word quadrilogy. Yes. Actually, I've seen it used as a marketing term. Because you remember back when they had, like, the the first three Alien movies and then Alien Resurrection? Yes. Well, they marketed that as the Alien Quadrilogy. See, I think that's where I must have gotten the term. I must have gotten it from there. Well, I guess the actual term is tetralogy, with tetra meaning four, but quadrilogy would be an acceptable term considering that it's been used. Well, and especially because no one would know what a tetralogy was, but if you said quadrilogy, everybody immediately knows what you mean. So that seems like it ought to be what we use. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. Uh, Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Where do you rank Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? One to ten. 
I rank it at an 8 myself because I really enjoy Indiana Jones movies. I thought the Temple of Doom was the worst one. And Me too. I really, I really liked the uh, Crusade one a lot. I think it was probably the best one out of the four. Oh, really? See, I, yeah. I'm totally... I'm, I like Crusade, don't get me wrong, but... No, I'm totally on par with you. I think Temple of Doom is the worst, and I love Last Crusade the most, too. More than Raiders? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Heck yeah. Okay. I have to, I don't like, plug my ears. All right. Thank because, you. Hold on, hold on. I went there Saturday. I went there Saturday night at 6:45 yeah. in Oregon City, and when we came out, there was thunder and lightning, big time, and it was just like being in the movie. That's, it was just awesome. Don't look at the lights. I saw it on Saturday night too. Well, Saturday, like, and when I got out, yeah, it was just thunderstorm. And I remember that. Uh, thank you, sir. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello, Rick. Yes. It's got to be about a seven and a half. Okay. With big hopes for uh, all the geeks out there who love the Lego Star Wars, Lego Indiana Jones around the corner. Uh, Lego Indiana Jones, I think, is already coming out. I think they've already done. I think they've already done Raiders. Negative. Uh, June third. Well, you're talking about the video game, though, not the actual yeah. Lego. Okay, I'm talking about the actual Lego set. Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the that video game. Yeah, that. Lego Star Wars. The video game is righteous. Lego Indiana Jones promises to be just as good. So big uh, hopes. By the way, uh, speaking of a small, if you look at the small Indiana Jones collectible Lego figures that have come out, Aaron's got them. They're hilarious because they're in sets and they're, they come in little duos. And each duo is one of the heroes from the movie and a villain from the movie. And they're made for kids, so they've all got big smiles on their faces. So, like, there's one of, like, a little tiny toy Belloc with a huge smile. And then I swear to Christ, the, the figure that comes with Belloc is like the angel of death that comes out of the ark, but it's got a big smile on its face. So it's like a happy angel of death. The, it's awesome. You get the Indiana Jones one. It's a little smiling Indiana Jones toy. And the toy that comes with that is that Nazi that he shoves into a plane propeller at the end. So it's like, but he's got a big smile on his face because it's a toy for kids. So <laughs> all of the villains are really smiling even though they're evil and about to die. It makes no sense at all. Thank you, sir. We'll do a couple more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, what's going on, man? What's up? I give it a seven for the Shiloh the Booth up. Or however you say his name, the, the potential there. So how would you like feel the if they end. continued with him? I'm sorry. How would you feel if they continued uh, with like Mutt Williams and the Legend of the Blah Blah Blah? Well, you know, I mean, they were they were grooming him the the whole movie. Right. You know, it, it just kind of showed how how he was kind of a chip off the old block. Right. Now, how would, but I mean, would you pay money to see Shia LaBeouf in an Indiana Jones film? Yeah. Yeah. All sure. Right. All right. Thank you. Thanks. All right. I don't mean I, I, it's not that I have a problem with Crusade. It's just to me. Like, Raiders is oh. is so definitive that I almost can't rate it with the others. Like, it, to me, it's like there's Raiders, and then I rate all the others among the three. It does seem like a separate entity. I don't know. I just really, I love Last Crusade. I loved all the challenges that he had to do at the end with the invisible yeah. bridge thing. The I still think that's man. super neat. Like the the he nails! Yeah. In Hebrew, Jesus. <laughs> Nerd. With an eye. You know what I love is I love that, I love that uh, leap of faith thing. Uh, that little optical illusion of the leap of faith or whatever it is, where he like puts his foot out and he just it, yeah. It clear, yeah, totally yeah. The bridge that's so neat looking. In the name of God. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Where do you rank Crystal Skull? Scale of one hey, to ten. Rick. Hello. I rated about a six or a seven. Personally, my 15 year old son rated it a nine and a half. Best movie ever. Kind of, kind of thing. So, uh, marketed it to that. But I was trying through the whole movie. Of course, I'm trying to find your oh yeah right scene uh -huh. that you talked about. Was it the 
Monkey. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, I don't need to say anything more. It was that and, and Shia going all Donkey yeah. Kong Jr. Yeah. <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah. But I did see Raiders. Obviously, I'm old. But the first day it came out. Yeah. And there's no movie. Well, I did see Star Wars, and we had the little May the Force Be With You buttons that they gave out. But those two experiences. You can't compare it to any of the other movies. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing is I mean Raiders of the Lost Ark I think always at least to me is separate because it was the first one and it was the first one to bring back a style of filmmaking that hadn't been around for forty years at that point. So all right. Oh and Brad, thank happy you. happy anniversary to you and Eva. Well, thank you. You sure you don't want your Sex in the City poster? I can bring it. Oh, Go to I the studio. Oh, perhaps I shall take that off your hands. All right, thank you. Thanks. All right, there you go. All right, we'll take... Uh, oh, wait, I guess we shouldn't take a break. We should do our bumper music thing here. Okay. So let, just, let me just turn this off. All right, and done. All right. All right what was the name of the cart? Uh, I don't know. Is it an A... A bump. And then load. Oh, yeah, but he had expand. Yeah, he had expand, not load. Uh, load, I think, just loads up the rotator cart. Expand actually shows you the list. Uh, where you can, like, see all of them. Okay. All right, they're there? Yep. All right, so uh, this will follow up on the heels of us spending, like, 20 minutes taking apart the board earlier today and looking for a hum that may or may not have really been there. All right, so we are now going through and labeling all of uh, the Rick Emerson show's bumps to come, as we call them, which is the little pieces of music what that we play. Fun for everyone. It's, I think it is, actually, and here's why I don't think that this is just mindlessly self-indulgent. Because I think you and I both get a lot of email from people who are like, hey, what is that song you played that you just went into the break that's called blah, 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 blah. And so we're doing like we're trying to do five of these a day. We didn't get any done the last few days. So we'll do like ten here. Um, But we're doing like five or ten of these a day to try to get them all labeled. And so there's a good chance that if you're listening to this segment, you may hear a song that you've been wondering about. And then you'll know who did it. And you'll have to like, you know, email us about it because we won't know what the hell it is anyway. Mm -hmm. All right. So without further ado. There you go. Well, you know that one. Sick Boy, Social Distortion. Off their, uh, off their self-titled uh, uh, LP from 1987, I think. 88, something like that. And then followed up by Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell. You know what I can't find is the, the recording of that um, little solo show that you and Why I saw. I'm like, mentally challenged right now. I can't remember how Hit to... F8. Thank you. I hit F9. Yeah, you hit F8, and then, yeah. I, th- I forget what F9 does. F- F7 lets you adjust the volume level, and F8 lets you retitle it. I can't find that recording of that little solo show that you and I got to uh, see him do at the, uh, what's it, Kung oh, Fu so Studio amazing. Bakery, whatever. It's around somewhere. Yeah. All right. Ah. Yes. Meatloaf. Uh, this is uh, Meatloaf, everything louder than everything else. How great is this? I just don't understand how people can't like Meatloaf. You know what I watched this weekend? How great is this? Have I ever let you borrow my VH1 Storytellers about Meatloaf? No. I, I own it. I was just going to say, Sarah, <laughs> such girls. I was just going to say, have I ever let you my, my VH1 Classic Albums episode about Mad Out of Hell? No. Oh, it's an entire documentary about the making of that one album. Okay. Where they reveal things like the fact that 2 out of 3 Ain't Bad was originally supposed to sound like the Eagles. And they play this different mix of two out of three ain't bad with like all these with where it's just like steel guitar and vocals. What was the title of this one? Uh, everything louder than everything else. Um, yeah, because uh, two out of three ain't bad was originally supposed to be a country song, and so they play this uh, this version of it that has like a steel guitar and just the vocals because Steinman wrote it to be a like a, a country an alt country song. Oh, I love me some Steinman. All right. Um, this is. Under My Wheels, I think. 
I'm almost positive this is under my wheels. The live version. Let's wait and find out, though. Yeah. Uh, this is Under My Wheels by Axl Rose and Alice Cooper. Awesome. Yeah, that is the live version from Decline of Western Civilization Part 2, The Metal Years, directed by Penelope Spiris. By the way, if anybody, if, there's a guy, if you've seen Decline of Western Civilization 2, it's like the best, worst movie ever. And I got a guy who emailed me some uh, a couple years ago, answered that his brother is in one of the bands they profile in Decline of Western Civilization 2, and that the guy now lives in Portland. If you are that guy, you got to email me. All right. Okay. All right. Ah. Uh, uh, this is Odeed in Denver. I get more email about this than any of the other country songs we use. I like this one. Every time this plays, somebody emails me. This is based on a true story, by the way. Told me she'd love me, and I told her that I'd do the same. Then I Odeed in Denver, and I just can't remember her name. Wow, what a great song. That's back when Hank Williams Jr. didn't suck. Uh, yeah, OD'd in Denver uh, by Hank Williams Jr. That was uh, people forget it's kind of easy to marginalize that guy now or sort of to diminish his importance. But there was a there was a time when he was really one of our one of our best most prolific singer songwriters. All right, I'll do like a, two more and we'll take a break. This is Welfare Boogie by the Four Horsemen, one of the great lost bands. It's useless to even talk about that because that's out of print. You can't even find it anywhere. But uh, Welfare Boogie uh, by the Four Horsemen, um, who are one of the one of the great overlooked bands of all time. All right, we'll take uh, we'll do this final one actually into break, and then we'll come back. Tim Riley around the corner with news. We'll talk to Richie Bristol, and we'll count down the top five artists to accompany proper teenage moping. Yeah, uh, Ozzy Osbourne and Dweezil Zappa staying alive. Off the Prince of Darkness box at disc four. Hey, look at me hitting the post. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Well, I won't speculate on the air about it. I'm researching right now. I don't remember who told me that. It seems feasible. We should stop, or I'm going to say something I regret again. Hello, Tim. How are you? It's clearly the way up the social ladder. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, all right, speaking of the social ladder, we'll talk to Richie Bristol here in a few, and we'll do the top five artists to accompany teenage moping. This, however, is your personal savior. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. That looks like a group of people got a little more than a view than what they bargained for yesterday afternoon when they got stuck in the Space Needle Elevator. Oh, oh, man. oh kill me. It offers a commanding view of Seattle and as it travels to the top of the towering Seattle icon. End of your imminent doom. Comes to a halt about 200 feet off the ground. Jesus. During the Northwest Folklife Festival. There are 20 people all crammed oh, into this oh, at the time. Oh, oh. The elevator does get stuck on occasion Jesus. due to intimate electrical problems. It took technicians about 45 minutes to get the space needle elevator moving me? again. Uh, and you know that one of those people on the elevator was a baby screaming. And you know that oh, one of yeah. the people... And one of them was like big and sweaty and panicking. And you know, one of the people was claustrophobic and had been talked into it by his friends. And then halfway oh, yeah. up, like... You know, one of them was claustrophobic and didn't realize it until they were stuck in the elevator for 45 minutes. Jesus, that's a living hell. Time for Geek Watch. Here's your Geek Watch. 
high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar dilemma, I remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... And I just listen on there, there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got we have it? a snuff watch coming up as well. I didn't think we'd get to it. You're reaching into the trash. How sad for his career. That I, I just I wrote down a little note for Tim about we missed a snuff watch, I think. And Tim's like, let me get it out of the trash. So Tim is picking up a man's life out yeah. of the trash. I we'll, didn't think we'd have time for we'll, it. We'll do a snuff watch here in a second. Here's your geek watch. Two Academy Awards. It's true. Let it's me only get two. Let me get your one sheet obituary out of the garbage. It's only four paragraphs. <laughs> Uh, Stephen Paul's uh, banner, Crystal Sky Pictures, has inked it. That's what it's saying. I don't know. This is a geek watch. So it doesn't, oh, yeah. make, it it doesn't, doesn't have to make sense. sense. I'm just reading the words that are placed in front of me. <laughs> Stephen Paul's banner, Crystal Sky Pictures, has inked the $200 million theatrical slate financing deal with Don Star's Grosvenor Park. Uh, the deal covers five features, including upcoming big game adaptations of Castlevania, a co-production with Universal's Rogue Pictures, Project based on the Konami vid game is written by Paul Anderson. This sounds like variety. Resident Evil and directed by Sylvian White. Stop the yard. Other titles in the Grosvenor Park funded slate include an adaptation of Richard Branson's memoir, Losing My Virginity, a big screen adaptation of the vid game Pac-Man and the sequel to John Woo's actioner Hard Boiled. All right. Also controls the rights of Brad Thor's best-selling novels. Let's stop for a moment. Here's the only reason this story matters, is because buried deep within the many, many layers of Brillig uh, in this story is the revelation. This is Great from knowledge. Is <laughs> variety? Is that from where that's... Uh, I think it's, I, it, it's... Yes, it is from Variety. So the only thing, the only important thing is the story in the story is the revelation about three sentences in that they are making a feature film of Pac-Man. Yeah. That's the reason the story matters, that's because they are making a feature film adaptation of Pac-Man. How, for the love of sweet zombie Christ, I mean, what? What? You what? Want me to read it again? Uh, no. Oh. Okay, well, there you go. We're done. There's your geek watch. I'm just saying. Grab Star's hammer. I just don't even know what that story's about. Have you seen that bitchin' Pac-Man t-shirt they sell now? I had I almost bought it the other day, and I'm glad I didn't, because Paddock wore it, and he... Chris Paddock and I have shown up in the same outfit, like, three different times. Uh, and I, so I noticed he's starting to grow a beard, too. Um, but uh, he showed Wait, up... Weren't you supposed to be growing a beard? Yeah, but now I can't because he's doing it. Um, oh, yes, you can. Um, they, but they sell the most righteous Pac-Man shirt online. And I almost bought it the other day, and then I came to work, and he was wearing it. So now I can never buy it. All right. Uh, let's do this snuff watch, shall we? Oscar-winning director Sidney Pollack has died of cancer. He was 73. He died Monday afternoon in his home in Pacific Palisades, surrounded by friends and family. His death follows a 10-month battle with a deadly disease. He won critical acclaim and two Academy Awards for his epic romance, Out of Africa, which starred Robert Redford and Meryl Streep. The 1985 movie garnered a staggering 11 nominations and won seven, including Best Picture and Best Director. He was also famed for directing the 1973 classic, The Way We Were, and 1982's Tootsie, starring Dustin Hoffman. That movie's that old. Yeah. Uh, well, best remembered as a director, 
Pollock also started out as an actor. He continued to perform throughout his career, most recently appearing alongside George Clooney in last year's Oscar-winning picture, Michael Clareborne, and uh, this year's Maid of Honor with Patrick Dempsey. He was also in um, Husbands and Wives, which is a good, if, if slightly unsettling, Woody Allen film. He's dead. And 73. In that order. (laughs) (laughs) And next year, Tim, he'll still be 73. He's dead. Adios, Sydney Pollock. Um, Before we do the top five, let me just... No, bad, bad. Was that the universe intervening? Uh, here. Well, that's weird. It's only playing the first five seconds and then it's stopping. Uh, here. Why, that's rather odd. Well, that's bizarre. No. Yes. All right, I got nothing. Hello, Richie Bristol. Hello. How are you? Wow. Hello. First of all, you smell like an ashtray. What? An ashtray dipped in Jovan Musk. Oh, man, that's like a punch in the face. Jesus, seriously, it's like you smell like dirt mixed with Jeannette. God. All right, no offense. I wish I could smell. No offense taken. <laughs> um, I wish I could smell. <laughs> if I only had a nose. The Richie Bristol story. Oh, no. How was your weekend? Oh, very interesting. How so? How so? Well, I went, I went riding quads with a bunch of Mexican and Hicks. I didn't realize they were all like that. Mexican hicks or Mexicans and hicks? Mexicans and hicks. You went riding quads? Yeah. Not like a bicycle? I was thinking it sounded like a lot of gay sex, but maybe that's just me. (laughs) No, it's four-wheel drive. Quads are like big wheels, but for grown-ups, right? Yeah, Yeah. they got four wheels and stuff like that. So were you saying that at one point... Somebody was, people were shooting the cans off each other's shoulders. Well, my one, my, my one friend, Prairie Dog, he's a Mexican. And my one friend, Prairie Dog, <laughs> who is a Mexican. He, uh, it's weird because people out there still have Confederate flags. They like, where were you in at? Mexico? Where no. are you? Like, where's there? Where, where's there? Down by Coos Bay, it's Winchester Bay, Horse Fall. Oh, well, you drive for like 40 minutes in either direction, and it's just like banjo town. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on, you know that's true. Yeah. It's like Goonville, man, so. But people banjo have uh, Confederate flags, nobody ever says anything well, to him. No, because they're hicks. And my, my buddy Prairie Dog, he has a big... My buddy Prairie Dog, was your friend Chug there? No, he went somewhere else. He oh. went he went riding, though. Okay. But oh, he has a big uh, Mexican flag on the back of his truck. So right. he, what's he do? He wraps himself in it, and he tra- starts driving around. But he's uh, very patriotic. Wrapped in the flag. It, wrapped in the flag. So the, the, the hicks, they dress down to their whitey tidies and they spray WD-40 on themselves. And go riding around. I don't know if they're trying to catch on fire. Or I don't understand anything you're talking about. <laughs> they spray themselves with WD-40 all over the Who? body. The Hicks. What Hicks? Like Pete and John and all them. Who were Pete crazy. and John? I just met them. I just going. They're crazy. Are these the guys with the flag? No, the, the uh, Prairie Dog was with the flag, but it got caught in his uh, in his gear. And it ripped him off his bike by his neck. Prairie Dog was there, a, but the flag got caught in his gear. Before the Hicks sprayed themselves with WD-40. And they ran around. And then they filled up their Jack Daniel half, de- half gallons with gasoline and threw it in the fire a couple of times. They call it a firebomb. It's kind of like, you know, putting a can on your shoulder and shooting it off one of those things. And just sitting around going, oh, my gosh. I thought I was nuts. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I can't conjure up a mental image for any of these things. Uh-oh. What happened to you? You got into a car, you got into a car, car accident? accident? Well... Somebody broke down. I went and got their, out in the dunes, I got their their quad and put it in the back of my truck. And right. I was going down the hill and basically caught air. 
and then the thing bounced around. It broke its straps, and it went into my cab. It just smashed into my cab. And then I got stuck on a hill and went sideways on my on the side. On the Quite you know, a weekend you've had. Oh, yeah. Minimal drinking. Uh-huh. I can see, see that look on your face. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, I apologize to your friend Adam. Uh, we told he was going to come in yesterday and cover for you on the phones. And then at the last minute, I decided, you know, that we would just do a best of, and I never told him. So, so he, he came worked, in he worked one overnight. hour sleep. He did an overnight on KUFO and then came in, like, I'm here to screen phones. I'm like, oh, yeah, we won't need you today. Bye. <laughs> He'd been here for 10 hours. And he waited, like, an additional three for me to show up. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, we're doing a best of. You can go home now. All right. So, yeah, all right. I think he was up all night. All right. Thank you, Richie. All right. Have a good all right, day. Bye now. Bye. All right. Let's do the top five, five shall we? four, three, two. So it's enjoyable hearing about these native cousins. Jesus, I mean, I have no. I, he just lost me. I, mean, I still don't even know what he did. No, me either. And I don't know who was with who and who the rednecks were friends with and who had the flag covered in oil. Or, Why would you put WD-40 on your I don't know the answer to that, Sarah. Like the camp? Doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, oh my word! A woman has paid more than twenty thousand dollars for a VIP trip to the Sex in the City movie premiere tonight. Sarah, and, do that if she was having wealthy. buyer's remorse. Really? She lives in Singapore. <gasps> Wait, so she, did you say she didn't like the movie? No, she's having buyer's remorse after uh, winning the auction for twenty-two thousand dollars on eBay. She's coming from Singapore to New York. That's the problem with auctions. You buy that thing and then it's yours forever. Yep. Whether you want it or not. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, some things are universal. Among them, the desire of teenage misfits to uh, lurk inside their bedrooms. Shutting out all of humanity and sulking for days upon end. Of course, such an activity requires a proper soundtrack. These are the top five artists to accompany proper teenage moping. Honorable mention going to Stained. I hate this song so much. So it's <laughs> So this is meant to be on the floor. I was kind of canvassing some of the KUFO guys. and go, hey, top five songs that teenagers listen to while they're in the bedroom with the lights turned out moping. And Big Jim and uh, and James immediately were like, Stain, it's been a while. Oh, I hate this song so much. I hate this song so freaking much. But can't you see a kid, like a dude, just sitting oh, yeah. there just... And especially if they're doing the swear words. Like, yeah. Which are blue. Oh, this is the clean version? Yeah. All right. Just sitting there with the lights. No one knows the dark road that I walk. Nobody knows what it's like to be me. I've stared into the abyss every day when I walk the halls of school. Jesus. What a terrible song. And this is really just a power ballad. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like... This is just when every rose has its thorn. Completely. That's exactly what it is. All my all my roses are made of nothing but thorns. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of something better to say. Every thorn has its rose. Something. Whatever. But I can totally see just sitting there with the razor just writing like the word hate into his left arm. Mm. All right. These are the top five uh, artists who accompany proper teenage sulking. Tim Riley. Number five, Tori Amos. This is ladies only, by the way. Ugh. Excuse me, but can I be you for a while? It also doesn't hurt this that all Tori Amos fans are crazy. All of them. All of them. Yes, I know what 
think of me, you never should have. Yeah, I can hear. Can't you totally see this? Yeah, I think we should have put like Alanis Morissette or any of those. So we were talking about Alanis Morissette, but I thought that might have been a then thing, not a now thing. They're all interchangeable. I don't know if girls still do that to Alanis Morissette. I think every I think year... I think they were doing more to Alanis Morissette than Tori You think so? Mm-hmm. Maybe, see, this was... I was Jagged Little Pill still holds up. I was trying to do one that was sort of for the fairer sex. And I thought that uh, Tori Amos might be the better choice simply because Tori Amos fans are all nuts. You know what I'd sit in my room and listen to is Jewel. Really? Oh, yeah. All right, fair enough. So I was sort of guessing with the Tori Amos, but... No, I think, no I think you definitely nailed the genre because there is, the, like, the, the lady singers like her. Yeah. She's a good representation. All right, here's Tim Riley. Number four, The Doors. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look totally. Because every kid who listens to this is like, I'm a stranger. I'm a stranger even among my own family. They know me, but they don't know me. Boy, what a great song this is, though. This is, I'm not much of a Doors fan. Sarah also made when she said the other one is that this is the end. Just sitting there imagining that you're Martin Sheen in the Golden City. All I can see is Val Kilmer rolling around on the ground. Totally. This gets added points for being in the Lost Boys. And for having one of the great all-time rock moments, which is this sort of... that? Was that Echo and the Bunnymen? Yeah. Not very good. Uh, but the great thing is, coming up, this has got one of my all-time favorite moments in a rock song, which is that Ghost Town Piano solo that comes up here, that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, which is, we'll get to in just a second. The doors are really made for teenage sulking. You know, it's like where you just, I walk with death every day. Boy, God, where would teenage misfits be without Jim Morrison? Right here, this is one of the old, right here, this is, how great is that? Okay. Counting down the top five uh, artists to accompany proper teenage sulking. Number three, My Chemical Romance. Yeah. Boy, you just even with these opening piano yeah. keys, I can totally picture, you know. I can picture some sad little kid, you know, sitting in, staring into the mirror, like, singing along with the song. When I, was I love this song so much. Yeah. And this is no reflection on her, but just because uh, because I know her pretty well. I picture Joni DeRossi's kid, Sydney. Sydney, yeah. Sitting in the room. Just, no one understands me. Yeah. Someday I'll show them all. Just sort of like scribbling furiously in a journal, covered with black hearts. Uh, this song, I haven't listened to this in so long. It's, I listened to this whole record through for the first time in probably six months. A couple weeks ago, I was driving around, had the whole... The high points on this record are still so good. This is good. Mama is still like one of the best mm. things ever. Dead is great. How I Disappear, I mean, Sharpest Lives. And it's got House of Wolves, which I think is my favorite song on the record, but it's it's still a really strong album. This really is it, too. I mean, more than Fall Out Boy, more than Dashboard Confessional or any one of these. It really is this it is my band. Yeah, specific. these guys. Fantastic. These are the top five artists to accompany proper teenage moping. Two, Pink Floyd. Yeah. Can't you just, without without breaking a sweat... I can picture myself, 15, in the room, door locked, lights down, curtains drawn, just, you know, staring blankly into the middle distance. 
and just thinking to yourself, you know, I've become comfortably numb. They think they can reach me, but they can't. I was actually listening to this song last night. It just kind of came up randomly in some mix that I had playing. It's still a beautiful song. This is the live version of Delicate Sound of Thunder, which is, I mean, the album version with the wall is definitive, but this has a better guitar solo. Man, what a great song. As I was trying to assemble this list today of songs that teenagers would mope to, I was sort of trying to make it all-inclusive, old songs, new songs, kids of then, kids of now. And I was just picturing to myself that T-shirt wall at Hot Topic, mentally trying to pick bands that would be on the wall of the Hot Topic T-shirt oh, section. Counting down the top five artists to accompany teenage moping, Tim Riley. Number one, The Cure. Yes. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at four, five, six, and seven, top of the hour, all the way through Lycus. As uh, the leadoff track from. Wait, or is this the leadoff track? Off of Disintegration. Disintegration? It is. Yeah. Okay. Love it. So we have now, we have to confess. Now, do you, was, do you have anybody about which this song was? Uh, that was some horrible syntax. You know what I mean? Like, no, I know was, what you mean. Was this your song for anybody? No, no. I don't. I... No, nobody comes to mind. But for you, yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this girl that I had just the hugest. I mean, I think maybe the kind of, you know, like that kind of like pure, like all-consuming, obsessive sort of love that you can only really have, I think, when you're a teenager or crazy mm-hmm. or both. Um, and of course, it was with the girl who didn't love me back, uh, and who but who wanted to be friends with me, and really, honestly, legitimately did want to be friends with me. I mean, I look back, and she really, you know, that doesn't make any. She kind of dug me on some level, but you know, just wasn't really. She didn't think of me that way, and this is so melodramatic, but it's true. She had given me at one point like a picture, like one of her school pictures, and I would have been maybe fourteen. And on the back, she had written this school. She had written on the back of school, but she had written this whole thing about like. Where she just laid it out. She's like, she's like, I'm, you know, sorry I don't feel that way about you, but I think you're really great. I'll always be here if you need me, blah, 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 you know, sign so and so. And I remember sitting in my room with that picture, just oh. with the cure pledge. <laughs> oh, I definitely had the picture. It's all blackness. The deal creepy and like pining over. Oh, yeah. Wow. Boy, I was lame. All right. Back after this, kids. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir or madam, as the case may be. Oh, it's Chris. What's and up? And I've just, you know, I've the top five songs for cutting to or whatever that was. Yes. Um, do you want me to tell you what you missed, or do you want me to put it together and send it to you to, for, to play tomorrow? Well, we could. We've already. Somebody has pointed out Morrissey, which Sarah and I did sort of ponder this morning. We, mm-hmm. we weighed the Smiths. Somebody has also said that we left Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. Uh, you could also go. Uh, well, 
they go hand in hand. Tori Amos is a big no, I would say. Uh, you want to capture the female demographic, it would either be um, the song Broken by Seether, okay. or corresponding, because she's the, the lead singer on that song, anything off the first Evanescence album. Yeah, I can see that. Oh, yeah. I can see girls sitting in a room just like carving on themselves to Evanescence. Yeah, yeah the thing will bring me to life. Mode. Yeah. Um, Green Day. Uh, uh, Wake Me When September Ends or uh, Time of Your Life. Are these all songs you've heard coming out of your kid's bedroom? Just be honest. These are songs I still hear coming out of my <laughs> Excellent. He doesn't, he doesn't cut anymore, but I still hear the music. For the win. Thank you. There you go. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, hi, Rick. It's Eric, and there was one song you left off the list. Chris Griffin. Just yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can record by Thank you. year old. All right. Epic win. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, so you forgot a whole bunch of songs. Um, off the top of my head, Bolt with Butterfly Wings by the Smashing Pumpkins. Um, Losing My Religion by R.A.M. But it wasn't um, songs, it was bands. We were just trying to think of a collective band. Get off my back! Uh-huh. No, <laughs> Have fun. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. All right, we're done. You should have ended with the Rickroll thing, dude. Why did you gamble? and like, Sorry. I regret it all. I regret everything. All right. Uh, Rick Emerson, show producer today and every day for the lovely and talented Zark Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio. In the newsroom, Tim Riley, the phones, Richard Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave's in. See you all tomorrow. Like us next. Michael Mara's show at 7. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards grin it out. I'm huge. I, so forth. Bye now.